WWF, what the world is watching. And my distinguished guest from the Middle East, he's from Persia, from Iran. He is Sheikh Alahani, Khosro Vasari, the Iron Sheik. Anybody that knows wrestling knows that it's synonymous with the Iron Sheik. Welcome back to the beautiful South Florida area here in Miami. Thank you very much, Jim Min, intelligent American, intelligent Miami city, all American resting city. People like you always tell the Min Sheik, welcome to the Miami. Now, all of the sons, young punk American, come to the WWF, toughest, roughest area in the world, and he beat bunch of American, and he makes a name for himself. Exactly. You know who I'm talking about, I right? know exactly. Exactly. Now, Miami, all intelligent American, Italian, my Banzan, Iranian, all Jewish people, yeah. intelligent Jew like yourself, they know about the Aaron Sheik. They know who is the Aaron Sheik. They have the, the from John F. Kennedy Airport to the Los Angeles, California. They know who is the Aaron Sheik. Now, Corporal Kirshner. Corporal Kirshner. Forever. Last time you was lucky, that blonde was your partner. Danny Spivey. Exactly. This time just you and I. Precisely. Exactly. You better get ready because Sheik born ready. Cameraman. Welcome to the 24-inch podcast. Yeah. Steve Bennett here. Paul Bennett here. And Dave Rollins will join us in a minute. Yes. First, we got to apologize to the listeners, Paula. It has been a minute since the last episode. Where the heck have we been? Well, it's my fault this time. My father, Grandpa Ed, tell him what happened to him. He had um, a stroke. A stroke. And Daddy had, da- Daddy, Steve, yep. had I, to go and um, take care of him, take care of him at the hospital. Yeah, I was tied up with my dad for a few days, and I couldn't get to the podcast. And finally, Dave and I have recorded it, and uh, he'll be on with us in a few minutes. And Paul and I are doing our part here, and then it can go up. And we'll get back. Before we get going, Paul, I just want you to tell the listeners about what you did last week in Buffalo at the Key Bank Center, the Sabres Arena, right on the floor. What were you doing? I was cheering for the Bandits. Yeah, the Buffalo Bandits. If there's any lacrosse fans out there, they're the lacrosse team in Buffalo. And Paula was a junior bandit. Tell them all about it, baby. Uh, we had to go on this field. The same. I don't know if we're the Sabres play because yeah, there's a lot of Yeah, it was them. just covered. 
Yeah, and it was just covered, and we, and it was really fun. There was a there's a fight between the teams. Yeah, that was kind of funny. And I love the part where they showed the little bandits, and guess what the bandits did? They steal the junior bandits dance. Yeah, and if you want to watch it, it's on YouTube. If you if you what do they have to search to find it on YouTube? Bandits. Yeah. Yeah. Junior Bandits. Yeah, if you search that on YouTube, it's the March performance, and you can see Paula doing her cheerleading with the Bandits, and she did a fantastic job. And who was your big surprise? Uncle Anthony. Yeah, my brother from New Jersey came in and got to watch her. The whole family was there. She's going to be on the Paula show. Yeah, the Paula pod's coming up soon, right? Yeah, we just need to do the book club. Yeah. And You just got to get your butt motivated, and we'll put it up. I think we just have to do what we're going to do next time in the book club, right? All right. Well, here's what we're going to do tonight. In a second, we're going to take a break. We're going to bring Dave on. Paula's got to go to bed. She's got school in the morning. We're going to do a bio for Madison Square Garden. We're going to talk about the Iron Sheik. Dave's going to do his Where is Hulk? Uh, then we got the news from December of 84. We'll talk about the card. Madison Square Garden, 12-27-84 is the card tonight. Hulk Hogan versus the Iron Sheik. And also, Paula, in the middle of this match... In the middle of this card, what happens to Captain Lou Albano at the hands of Roddy Piper? Wacko! Yeah, what does he hit him with? The album. The album, right? So Mm -hmm. we're going to talk all about Cindy Lauper's appearance. What happens to Cindy? She gets pushed on the floor. Yeah, and gets kicked. And Hulk Hogan does not like that. Yeah, he didn't like it, did he? No, he started fighting already. When he had the match, yeah. he started. He still came out. Yep. So we're gonna... I'm going to save the left of my opinion for when we do it. Okay. Oh, my God. My mic's falling. Yeah, we'll do all that later. But, um, yes, Paula. I have an email. All right. Real quick email. Then we got to go. Our mom's going to fight us. What? Talking to the mic. What is your favorite wrestling color? My favorite wrestling color is probably, and this is really important to me, the color of the ropes in WWF have got to be red, white, and blue. That's what the ring needs to look like. If I don't have those colors in my ring, I tune out quick. That's one thing I don't like about the Attitude Era later is when they change the color of the ring ropes. I like the classic red, white, and blue ring rope ring rope look. And that, when I think of wrestling and color, that's the first thing that comes to mind. Do you have one, Paula? Um, my favorite colors. Our Hulk Hogan colors and the rings. Yeah, the red and yellow. Yeah. Yeah. And classic. The, the classic colors. Isn't it kind of weird when you see a Hulk match and he's not wearing the red and yellow? Like when he's wearing the white or something different? Yeah. It's yeah. Weird. It doesn't look right. Hulk's red and yellow. He looks better red and yellow. Sometimes people might change their mind and say like, I might change my mind sometimes to like red and white maybe. Okay. Because that's kind of some of yeah. the America and Italy. Yeah. If there was red and green and white, we would like that because. Sure. Because. The tricolor. Because we're Italian. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, we're going to take a break. Paula, you want to say goodnight? Good night, sunshine.
Thank you for listening to the 24-Inch Podcast. Don't forget to check out my other podcast, The Sportscasters, 10 Years in the Making. You can find it on Twitter, at sports underscore caster, or download episodes wherever you found this podcast. You can find the 24-Inch Podcast on Twitter as well. We're at the number two, the number four, the word inch podcast, at 24-Inch Podcast. Email us at 24inchpodcast at gmail.com. Don't forget about our friend Peter Winson and greeting from Allentown. It's at GF Allentown Pod. Twenty four inch podcast. We are back. I want to thank Paula for joining us there for a few minutes. And now I welcome my other co host to the show tonight from Kearney, New Jersey, Mr. Hollywood Dave Rollins. How are we doing today, Dave? Hey, hey, hey. Good to hear your voice, man. It's been a little while this time, huh? Yeah, we've had some struggles, as they say. Uh, Tends to happen a lot to us, seems yeah. like. And, you know, sometimes it's just not in our control. I mean, my dad's a Life's life. Yeah, what are you going to do? Life. Sometimes life a random uh, Newarker drives away with your car, and sometimes my dad has a stroke. There's nothing we either of us could have done about Either of them, you know. Well, prayers to uh, prayers to your dad. Yeah, there. he's all right. If hands. you're listening, if you guys have mentioned it on the previous segment or not, but um, yes, prayers uh, for your pain in the ass, dad. Yeah, yeah, pain <laughs> in the ass. All right, we got business to do today, Dave, and uh, kind of takes us back to our second show. Paul and I were talking about it a little bit. The very first show we did, WrestleMania two, was a good way to get us going. Record a pilot. Something to share out with people ahead of time, get some feedback. I had like 90 pages of notes. Yep. And then we <laughs> jumped right into the start of Hulkamania and the January 1984 show at MSG, where Hulk wins the belt over the Iron Sheik and starts his run to what, February of 88 with the belt. Right. But tonight, we're going to go to the end of the year. The return match versus the Sheik at Madison Square Garden. The big house show of the year, I feel like, at MSG, and maybe you'd know better than me living in the tri-state area, but it always seemed like that Christmas, post-Christmas show was kind of the big show every year. Um, and it, the the yeah, attendance for tonight is I yeah, mean, out of this world. I mean, it didn't, uh, yeah, the next year you had Hulk and Macho in their first of three. 86, you had Hulk and Kamala, another huge sellout. 87, Hulk wasn't there. It was Macho and Honky, but that feud was red hot. Another sellout. Uh, 88, Savage Bad News Brown. Isn't it saying that I, I just know this? <laughs> and 89, 89 <laughs> Piper and Rude in the cage. Uh, 90, Hogan and Tugboat against Quake and Bravo. 91, Hogan and Flair rematch. So, yeah, you're on to something, Steve. Yeah, big night at the Garden after Christmas. And... Um... And that wasn't written down any of that. <laughs> this is why I got Crazy. this is why I got Dave for this show. There's something seriously wrong with me. <laughs> this is why you're here, Dave. This is why you're here. So and it's a big night in the garden and Hulk and Sheik are on top and there's a lot of crazy quirky things that happen all through it and we're going to go over it in the next segment. But since that show was so long ago, that first season one, episode two, virtually what three years ago now? Whenever we started this, two, three, um, whatever, two, yeah, two and two and change, two and change during, we're, we're, during COVID for sure. Yeah, we're gonna go back and we're gonna talk a bit about the garden, 
and we're going to talk a bit about Sheik uh, in the in the spot like we normally do here in the bio spot. So let's start with the Iron Sheik. I'm not even going to try to say his name, Dave. You know how to say all these crazy words. Cosro. Cosro, I know. He has his yeah, first uh, name. Vizari, maybe? Vizari. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Cosro Vizari. I think we got a biography coming up on him. Hossein Cazaro. Stop. Hussein. <laughs> yeah, the Iron Sheik. <laughs> we got an A and E biography yes. coming up, I think. Yes, we do. They, they they shorted us on Jerry Lola this week. It was only an hour oh. to give us uh, some female modern stuff that we don't care about. Yeah, brutal. So that kind of yeah, that was a little that was a little rough. But the Jake one was tremendous. I thought. Yeah, what one did I like? The WrestleMania one, I think, is the best one of the yeah, whole series. Yeah, oh my god, so so, some of some of those are just re- really, really, really good. Yeah, really good stuff. Some bad stuff, like the Macho Man one. Some really great stuff. Some short. yeah, that was so strange. So yeah, because it's such a rah rah series in general, except for the Macho Man. Yeah, one. yeah, yeah. Well, Kaz, as they call him, was born March fifteenth, nineteen forty-two, which means he's good eight, night eighty-one years old, which. Might as well be 240 for a wrestler. Yeah, that's saying a lot of good for me. <laughs> yeah. He was born in 42 in Damkin, Iran. Uh, he grew up in a working class family with little money, no water. His passport reads March 15th, but he celebrates his birthday on September 9th. I have no idea what that's about. Um, he, he grew up idolizing. <laughs> it's Iron Sheik, baby. Yeah. It's baby. You, you don't try to understand all this stuff, I don't <laughs> think. He idolized an Olympic gold medal wrestler um, who was eventually, I think, killed by the government. And that's kind right. of why he ended up coming here. Um, I think that's kind of what scared the Sheik, that if, you know, they would kill him. He died. Uh, Takati is the, rest, the famous wrestler. He was found dead in his hotel room in January of 68. Uh, the Iranian government said it was a suicide. Uh, but I think that's questionable. Um, he made a name for himself, the Iron Sheik now, as a amateur wrestler. And he worked as a bodyguard, famously, for the Shah of Iran and his family for several years. Uh, Khosro competed for a spot on the Groman Reco wrestling team for the 68 Summer Olympics in Mexico City. He then moved to the United States and became an assistant coach of two U.S. Olympic squads in the 70s. In 71, he won the Amateur Athletic Union Greco-Roman Wrestling Championship gold medal at the 180.5-pound division, and he later became assistant coach to the U.S. team for the famous 1972 Olympics in Munich. Um, he became a prof- professional wrestler uh, when he was invited to a camp by Vern Gagne. Uh, he trained at the famous wrestling camp under trainer Billy Robinson and was in the same class as... Oh, boy, there's a few of them there. Ken Patera, Ric Flair. Ric Flair, yep. Jim Brunzel. Jim Brunzel. Greg, uh, uh, Greg Gagne. Greg Gagne. Ricky Steamboat. Uh, oh, Ricky Steamboat was in that. Yep. I did not know that. Interesting. Well, he worked... I should rephrase that. So he and Flair were in the same class being trained. And then he worked later training in that. He was teaching. So Steamboat came a little right, later. And he taught Steamboat and Ghani and Brazil. Um, He wrestled as a face in preliminary matches 
before a promoter suggested he adopt a heel gimmick similar to that of the Nestoria Sheik, um, who, of course, is the wrestler from original Sheik. The original yeah. Sheik from Michigan and the uncle of um, Sabu. Sabu. Right. Um, so he adopted what became his signature look. He shaved his head. He grew the buffo-style mustache, the boots with the toe curled up, um, which he said. We used to, uh, sorry to jump in, but yeah. I remember my aunt and my aunt and uncle used telling me, yeah, there was another Sheik, you know, a long yeah, time ago. I'm right. like, no, 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 because Detroit Wrestling aired here in uh, New Jersey at, at that in the 60s or something. And so they were very familiar with the Sheik, and they would always tell, tell me, tale, you know, while I was watching the Iron Sheik, telling me old stories about the original Sheik. Then, you know, I've become smart to the business. You start real, not realizing who the original Sheik is. Pretty cool. Yeah, my brothers have a different dad, and, and their, their um, grandparents – Spent a lot of time in Hawaii, had a timeshare in Hawaii, and the whole family, I didn't go, but most of my family went down there one year, and they spent a lot of time with the original Sheik, because he, wow. he was in the same timeshare, the same area, so they, he signed some stuff for them, and you know they, they were a little confused, I think some of them thought it was the Iron Sheik, okay. uh, and he kept having to try to explain to them, he was, you know, but- Original Sheik. Yeah. But that, and of course, you got Sheik Adnan Al Casey yeah, too later on. That's who it was. Uh, he also introduced the Persian Clubs, a sport in his native Iran, and challenged many wrestlers to do as many swings as him. And I hear those things are ridiculously difficult. And if you ever seen Iron Sheik with them, he just swings them around like they're loaves of bread. Pretty amazing. At an old age, he was still doing it too. Yeah, and then he got a little bit of luck, right? His Iranian gimmick received attention due to the events of the Iranian revolution. Um, and that kind of kicked off his career. He came to the WWF in 1979. Uh, he made his debut and won the first ever battle Royal in Madison square garden. Uh, How about that earned him a title shot against then champion, Bob Backlund who pinned him later that night in a 30 minute battle. He flew. Is that what he was a great Hussein at the time, right? Not chic yet. Uh, it doesn't really specify here, but no, probably. Specify. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. Maybe. Maybe. It doesn't say either way. He later feuded mm-hmm. with Chief J. Strongwell and Brutus San Martino before leaving for Jim Crockett Promotions in Charlotte. Um, his villainous persona played up topical events such as the Iranian hostage crisis and began feuding with his former student, Jim Bronzel for the MWA Mid-Atlantic Heavyweight Championship and defeated him for the championship in May of 1980, he defended the championship in bouts with opponents including Renzel, Sweet Ebony Diamond, and Jeffrey Weaver before losing the belt to... Well, not a clue in the world. NWA? An- uh, another, title. another former student. Steamboat. Steamboat in a Files Count Anywhere match. Wow, November I'd like to see that. Of 80. Yep. In February 81, he began feuding with Blackjack Mulligan. Shirts better than a Saturday Night's main event match from 87. <laughs> oh, I don't know. That was, that was, uh... I'm sorry, March of 87. March of 87, yep. Yeah. Uh, he unsuccessfully challenged Dusty Rhodes to the World Heavyweight Championship, but got a title shot there. Then he went to Mid-South, was there for a couple of years, championship wrestling in Florida, Georgia championship wrestling, a true kind of, you know, 70s, 80s, territory guy he went to the territory took the gimmick around the territories 
gotten huge feuds, wrestling huge matches. You know, every territory he joins, he's wrestling, you know, like take Georgia Championship Wrestling. He won a tournament for the vacant NWA Television Championship, uh, which eventually he lost to. Uh, Rahul McDaniel. Ronnie Garvin. Uh, it's a little off there. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna, I was gonna give you some clues about how he's right. and not a funny ring announcer, but he thinks he is. Ah, like I love that. That that that, yeah, that tickles me. For yeah, some that whole reason. thing is hilarious. By disqualification, <laughs> the mighty Hercules. <laughs> All right, so finally in '83, he returns to the WWF, and he challenges Bob Backlund for the championship again. Backlund accepts, and on a December 24th episode of All American Wrestling. Uh, he does the Persian club challenge. That's where the it happens. He's successful in his third attempt to swing the clubs. Um, Backlund is. So she attacks him from behind, injuring his neck. Uh, in the December 26th title bout at MSG, Backlund attempted to roll Sheik into a bridge pin, but he aggravated his weak neck. Sheik smelled blood in the water and applied his camel clutch chin lock finisher. Backlund didn't submit, but his concerned manager... Arnie Scollin threw in the title and forfeited the championship. And towel, yes. Yep. Uh, Backlund, it was a long run. It ends there. Sheik takes the title, and he primarily defended the title against Jay Strongbow as well as Pat Patterson and Salvatore Belomo. But, of course, he didn't have it long. Tito at the Spectrum. Yep, Tito on a live match uh, on Prison Broadcast. That's yeah, it's probably only one of the very few yeah. titled events of TV, that you can see on TV. January 21st, 84. was later included in WWE's Legends of Wrestling 3 compilation. And mm. then, of course, two days later, <laughs> he's scheduled to rematch with Backlund, but he's replaced by uh, some bum. Um, are you going to give me a who? A who? By, he's replaced <laughs> by... Let me think about that one, brother. <laughs> Hulk Hogan, and of course, Hulk starts the, uh, starts the big... Big run. He then feuded a little bit in the year with Sergeant Slaughter. Um, they had the boot oh, camp. A lot of it. Match. Yeah, yeah. That's a huge feud. But then, of course, Slaughter leaves um, about, what, about a month before this. And uh, that's when he has the match yes. with Hogan. And then Early he, December. Yep, yeah. And then from there, he goes on to tag team with, with Volkoff and, and and so on until his, run, his end runs on the New Jersey Turnpike, essentially. Um <laughs> He's had a wild and crazy life since. Um, a notorious drug drug and alcohol user. Um, notorious for his personality. He's nuts. Uh, he challenged the mayor of Toronto to an arm wrestling match in 2013. Lots of stunts. Dave's in his movie. He has a great documentary. Right, yeah. I mentioned a and documentary. I forgot all about the documentary that I'm in. Yeah, his, Dave's a star <laughs> that- of that one. Yeah, you know how many still shots I got of that? I still get them to this day. I wake up, somebody on my somebody Facebook, it, oh, yeah. look what I was watching. You know, boom, boom, boom. I've gotten do- I've gotten dozens of them over the years since it was released. He had three daughters. Unfortunately, one was tragically killed, murdered by a boyfriend. Ter- yeah, my goodness. Yeah, Charles Warren, Warren Reynolds in May of two- 2003 at the age of 26. He was taken into custody and convicted of the crime. And he himself is dead as well. Died in 2016. Rotten hell. Yep. Um, he's got those two managers, Paige and Gian, I guess. The Megan brothers. 
Oh, boy, yeah. yeah. Not a fan. Uh, I think they embarrassed him uh, quite a bit. Enough's enough. The same old shit over and over. It's funny. It was funny for, like, you know, the first couple times. Then it's like, all right, we get it. They do keep you know his name I mean? out there, though, a little. You know, I that mean, is true. You know, is. I guess I see what you mean. You know what I mean? We're like the the tweets that were once hilarious are sort of a little bit cringy at this point. It's the same, but shit it also the, the does Hogan, keep Brian them relevant. Blair, uh, you know, it keeps them so double edged yeah, sword. I, guess. I think they're embarrassing Virgil now too. They are at this point, though. I mean, he's an eighty-one-year-old man. You know, I don't know. Yeah, that it matters. I think it's time way. to celebrate his. You know, he he can still be funny and still celebrate his accolades a little better without you know fuck this and fuck that and all you know all that kind of shit constantly. Okay. Well, that's the great Iron Sheik who will wrestle for the second time in 84. Hogan, we'll talk about that in the next segment. All right, Dave, Madison Square Garden, have you heard of it? Uh, I think so. It might, it might be a uh, train ride away right down the street there for me. Uh, yeah. But I'm not sure. Yeah. So it's had a few locations over the years. Um, it opened in 1879, 1890, 1925. Uh, About 1925, I was there to see the... Um, uh, the uh, Rockettes there. Yes. Very good. The the uh, current location broke ground October 29th, 1964. Opened February 11th, 1968. It was renovated in 89, 91, 2001, and 2013. And when they renovated in 2013, they put in a really cool display uh, with some of the wrestling memorabilia from this era. Um, boots of Rowdy Piper, I think, or Hulk Hogan from WrestleMania 1. Some really cool stuff. and Yeah, the Hulk stuff's wrong, but I mean, whatever. I'm not going to nitpick it. Yeah, it's just some memorabilia that's there. It's, yeah. uh, you know, I don't think it's meant for any kind of uh, historical accuracy. Just more just to display and kind of show. Uh, like this is this is a Hulk shirt. Yeah, I mean, you it know, was this that, is, you know, you know yeah. part of uh, the history of the building. And many buildings would ignore it. You know what I mean? So I think right. it's cool that Madison Square Garden took the time to. to they hung his banner. They hung Hulk's banner, too. Uh, when me, me and Tim were there in 2015, and um, they hung the banner up, you know, uh, with all, with the Knicks and the Rangers, but they didn't keep. They gave it back to them. They didn't. They didn't keep it. Right. You know, they didn't keep it. We thought they were gonna. It seemed like it was gonna like stay. I'm like, wow, like amazing. You know, and Bruno should have one too. Then, but I mean, yeah, but they, uh, it's, you know, it's at the beach shop. It was. Just, it was just a gimmick for the uh, for the night for the whole cold sure. night celebration. And it's so funny. Uh, we did. I think I. Daniel Bryan or one of those bums were a uh, champion at the time. Not I shouldn't say bums, but not not guys that we're interested in. And uh, me and Tim were getting up leaving. We're going in the back with Jericho because Tim knows Jericho. And all these smarks sitting behind us, you're not going to stay for Daniel Bryan's match. They're all cry- uh, crying and whining, just like laughing at them. <laughs> Funny stuff. <laughs> uh, Madison Square Garden, Dave, is named after? Oh, uh, Madison Avenue. Uh, I guess its original location. Uh, Which was named yeah. after? I don't know. The fourth president of the United States, James Madison, of course. Okay, all right. And the square was it's well. It's, we always joke in Bud's Bunny cartoons; they call it Madison Round Garden, right? Because it's really round, right? So uh, I don't know where the square comes from. Well, I'll tell you. Two venues called Madison Square Garden were located just northeast of the square. The original garden from nineteen eighty. 1879 to Times Square. 1890, Times Square. And wow. the second garden from 1925 to 1925. Um, the first one was leased to P.T. Barnum and was demolished in 1890. 
So lots of history, of course, with the building. We've talked about it a few different times. And what about Garden? I know a lot of arenas are called Gardens, but I'm ignorant to why. And you know why? Mm. Boston Garden, Make Believe Garden. Yeah, I don't know. This I, garden, that garden. I think it's like a... Magic Garden. A, it's a, um, a synonym of... Uh, garden is a synonym to auditorium, I think, you know? Oh, okay. Um, that would be, Simple as that. That would be my guess. Uh, the building, the current building, um, cost about $123 million to make. That's in current money, obviously. And it's about $123 million on it then. Um, let's see. What else do we want to talk about in terms of the current garden? Uh, obviously, it's home to the Knicks, the Rangers, uh, Big East Basketball, um, Billy Joel. Yeah, I've seen him there several times. Yeah. Um, no, D'Amato has as well. I mean, just about anything that's ever existed has been at Madison Square Garden, right? I mean, the circus, the Harlem Globetrotters, um, you know, wrestling events, boxing matches, the NHL's Rangers, the NBA's Knicks, you know, Willis Reed, who just, Willis Reed, who just passed away, the Knicks legend, won a championship there. You know, 94 yeah, Rangers, know. you even know Willis Reed, right? How about yeah, that? Sure, yeah. yeah. I told my father about it. Yeah. Um, and every band you can think of, uh, from Led Zeppelin to Elvis to whoever. And I think the kind of sad thing. You know, some somebody, I, I could be wrong on this, so if you want to, if anybody wants to email us or Facebook us if I'm wrong, I think Def Leppard didn't get to play there till like the modern days, like the past 10 years. For some reason, they would always do the Meadowlands or Nassau. I think it was them. There, there is a band that that just d- didn't play the Garden for for many, many, many years. One, you know, one of our bands. I yeah. think it's them. And I, I think what I was going to say is maybe part of that is that ever since Barclays opened, and maybe even before that. Well, I think it's a combination of things, whether it be Barclays, the arena in Newark, um, and it's the price and the unions and things in Manhattan. Square Garden, they don't get as many events. There's still events. There's still many, many events, believe me. But sometimes there's events that you would think I'm would be there. I'm actually going to see uh, Brian Adams there. In a, uh, yeah, but I think... Not not Crush. Brian Adams is a singer. <laughs> right. <laughs> Crush is dead. Crush will not be there. Uh, I think as time has went on, it's become easier and cheaper. And certainly in the case of the WBF, right, which is the main focus of this show, Um the Madison Square Garden was Vince's family, right? His two generations before him booked wrestling there. It was their building, and it just got right. to a point where it's just cheaper to run at Barclays and easier. Yeah, they they do the Garden twice a year, like you said. They still do the Christmas show, and um, then maybe a summer show. Uh, so, speaking of big events, the 1976 Democratic National Convention and, and 1980 and 92, the 2004. Republican National Convention, where George W. Bush uh, took the nomination for the second time. Uh, and also, there's should we talk a little bit about uh, the theater as well, right? Sure. So It goes hand-in-hand with our show tonight. Yeah, so. because we're going to give you a, a, an attendance figure, and you're going to go, wow, they can fit that many people in the garden? No, not exactly. So what would happen is, so the, the card here, it says 26,000. 92 are in attendance. Can't quite get 26,000 in. The spillover would go into the Felt Forum, as it would call then, and basically watch it in closed circuit, 
Were you ever in the Felt Forum, Dave? Yes, I actually saw WCW for real in there. They put the ring on the floor and some seats up on the stage and then and then the theater seats. And uh, just, just it was two days before, um, no, a week before Hogan joined the NWO. So Hall, Hall and Nash weren't there. The main event was Savage against Flair with Bruno as the ref because it was New York. So that was hot. The crowd was hot that day. It was an afternoon show. It was, it was a lot of fun. I think Sting might have wrestled the Giant. That's really cool. But uh, yeah, it was really, really, really good. Really, really good time and memorable. Me, Uncle Tito, Anthony Pagano, and Chet. One one of the WWF's biggest heel opponents and one of the great heels of my childhood also ran at Madison Square Garden from 1877 to 2020. What was that, Dave? What thing in February would enter the garden and cause wrestling fans tuning to USA heartbreak? Well, let me think. It's it's National Puppy Day. I saw on Facebook before. <laughs> yep. So I'm going to have to go with the dog show, brother. Yep, the Westminster Kennel Dog Club show. That goes back to, to you know, uh, interrupting primetime wrestling. That, that's what I was referring to, exactly. Yeah, yeah. then it spilled into Raw. Yeah, it, it was interrupting Raw when Raw was doing like 6 million, 6.0 ratings. That's and it wild. Was still, it was still interrupting Raw. And then Wimbledon. It, it finally stopped. And Wimbledon would be after, yep. right after SummerSlam. Yeah. SummerSlam night. Uh, the, Knicks, the Knicks and the Rangers both were simultaneously hosting the finals twice, 1972 and 1974. That's kind of cool. 94, of course, the Rangers ended the long Stanley Cup drought, no more 1940, and the Knicks lost in Game 7 to the Rockets, but that series is more known for being interrupted by OJ and the Chase. Shout out to Tim. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Big shout out to Tim there. Yeah, MSG's also hosted the NHL All-Star Game twice, the NBA All-Star Game twice, the WNBA All-Star Game three times. The All-American Karate Championships were held there in 1969 and 1968, and it was won by Chuck Norris. Wow. Yeah. I heard he just turned, like, some crazy age. Yeah, I heard that too. Like 82 or something. Like what? And I just, like, dude, how old are we? And I just heard an appearance he did on Stern where right after he had had the twins that he had with his, with his wife. Now, like the, the change of life kids he had with the second, you know, the hot wife he got or whatever, after he right. got rid of the first one. And uh, they're all grown up now. And Stern's just busting his balls. You're going to be on the floor crawling around, changing diapers. Funny shit. Uh, At 80 years old. Yeah, yeah, UFC 205 was there. Alvarez versus McGregor. So one of the big stars in the history of UFC fought there in mm-hmm. Conor McGregor. Um, I mean, look at we're probably always got, always got on my nerves for some reason. Conor McGregor. Yeah, he's a little bit of a cunt. Something about him. Yeah, a little yeah. bit of a cunt. Look at he. Uh, Not somebody I'd like to hang out with. We're probably giving this arena more than we need to, right? It's Madison Square freaking Garden, and um, you know my brother played there um, in 2014. Amazing. Yeah, 2014, uh, they had a Yale versus Harvard hockey game there. Sold the place out. Um, it holds 18,006 for hockey, and they announced 18,006. Uh, my bro- proud moment. And this is a crazy thing. So my brother's a junior. They just won the national championship as a sophomore, right? So it's, a, it's January. It's a January day. And sure enough, the Saints are playing a playoff game. In the, in the afternoon and then after is my Come brother on, playing brother. at madison no, square garden no pun intended 
<laughs> so I watched the Saints lose to the Seahawks, which usually would be devastating for me. Put me in the hospital or put me in the bedroom for three weeks pouting. But instead, I walk across the street, go to Madison Square Garden, see my brother on the ice warming up. Okay, whatever. Get over it quick. Enjoy the game. So the game's going on. My brother's team dominates the game. They win. Yell wins the game 4 nothing eventually. And the third goal is scored by a really great kid who I love named Mike Doherty on a pass for my brother. So my brother gets to be on the net, pass out in front score. So I'm like, oh, this is so cool. He's going to get a point. He's going to get announced, right? So the PA announcer at the Garden goes, so he goes, uh, Third Yale goal, his eighth of the season, scored by number 24, Michael Doherty, uh, assisted by number 19, Jimmy Vesey. Uh, Doherty from Vesey at 8.04 of the second period, he announced the number 19 on Harvard by oh, mistake. Oh, boy. Yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> of course, right? Oh, my God. My mom was really upset about that. Like, didn't really have bad upset. luck. You wouldn't have any luck at all. My mom wanted to, like, go into the scorer's box and fight the guys. kind of funny. Yeah, and it's not like it's, like, high school where you can, like, run up there and, well, I stand corrected, you know, <laughs> yeah. Madison Square Garden. He, <laughs> he really screwed it up. It's pretty funny. Uh. But, yeah, so, I mean, one of the proud moments is a brother. Me watch my brother play a hockey game at Madison Square Garden. Uh, what's his name? Kerry? Uh, not Kerry. Um, who's the Democrat guy? That John. Uh, John Kerry. John Kerry. Yep, was in the house. Talked to the Yale boys in the locker room before. Um, so kind of funny. Like my brother's a pretty big conservative, like me. And in his time at Yale, he got spoken to by John Kerry in the locker room, and then went to the White House because they won the national championship. They got invited to the White House. And of course, it was uh, well during Obama's term, so he got mm. <laughs> to see Obama. Mm. Obama and Kerry were the big political figures. That uh, yeah, that's kind of funny. We that'd be a tough one. We joke about that all the time. Mm. All right, with all that said, Dave, let's take a. I might stay out in the car. Time for me to take a. But you know what? It goes to show you class, right? Right. My brother said it's the fucking White House. I cannot wait to go to the White House and stand tall and shake the president's hand and be in the Oval Office and all that thing. Not these idiots who they don't like the president, so they don't go. You know, just like, come on, show some class to the office and to the president. Mm. No matter whether you're no, like, I don't know, like brother. <laughs> I'll, nah. I'll give you, I'll give you, brother, a prop, but I don't know if I would do that. Not nah. Obama. You got to show some class. <laughs> you got to show respect to the office. I'll stay classless on that day. All right, well, it's time for your classless New Jersey ass to tell us where Hulk was in December of 1984. All right, my brother, my man. Let's take a good look. On December 9th, Toronto, Ontario, Canada. Obama definitely wasn't there for that. 10,000 people were, though. As Hulk Hogan was a sub, as you mentioned before, for Sergeant Slaughter as he goes over the big Russian Nikolai Volkov. December 10th, right in my backyard, the Meadowlands, 15,102, almost a sellout. This one's televised on MSG Network, and the only sole commentary appearance by none other than Howard Finkel, as he did color along Gorilla Monsoon on the show. As Hulk Hogan goes over, Big John Sutton, a 15,000 body slam match, $15,000 body slam match. Uh, Hogan didn't get the money because he slammed Stud on the floor. I remember we all remember this one from the Hulkamania tape. Of course, this match is on there, and uh, we were all upset about uh, him not getting the money for the slam on the floor. But uh, that's pretty cool. December the sixteenth, London, Ontario, twenty five hundred small arena, London Gardens. Uh, this would air on uh, January fifth of nineteen. 19- 
85, a whole month later on All-Star Wrestling, as Hulk Hogan goes over uh, the one, the only Terry Gibbs. I was wondering what Terry Gibbs is up to these days. You don't see him in any shoots or anything like that. You know, he, he was a mainstay for, for quite a while. But uh, All-Star Wrestling is what became uh, Wrestling Challenge. So Hulk's a little rare TV, early 85 TV match there. We'll have to do that sometime. That'd be fun. Yeah, oh, absolutely. Yeah. Like I told you, the syndicated shows are my favorite shows. That yeah, I love doing that shit. Yeah. Uh, December 17th, uh, the next night, Poughkeepsie, New York, Mid-Hudson Civic Center. This is a uh, taping for the championship wrestling, which turned into superstars. And Hogan over Terry Gibbs. Again, I don't know if I messed that one up. I don't think they would do the same TV match. I'm going to have to correct myself next week because I think I've made a mistake here. I don't know. Why would they do that twice? Hmm. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, well, Hogan uh, went over Terry Gibbs on TV on TV in uh, early 1985, and it was taped in, er, in late 1984. That's all I have to say for now. Christmas night, Atlanta at the Omni, only 5,500 as they're trying to push into the uh, NWA territory. As Hulk Hogan goes over the great Mr. Wonderful Paul Orndorff. December 26th, the night after Christmas in Miami at the Knight Center, 3,776. This is a small theater tape arena, just like the Felt Forum. Hogan over the great Brutus Beefcake. December 27th, St. Louis, St. Louis Arena, 9,500. Hulk Hogan once again over uh, the, his friend till the end, Brutus Beefcake. December 28th is our show at Madison Square Garden, 26,092. Yep, with several thousand at the Felt Forum. We'll get into that later as Hulk Hogan defends the title against the Iron Sheik. December 29th, Minneapolis, Minnesota at the Met Center, invading Vern Gagne's AWA. 10,800 come for this as Hulk Hogan uh, goes over the Iron Sheik successfully. December 30th, 1984, the Macho Man, Randy Savage, and Miss Elizabeth are married. How about that? That will tie into uh, a lot of our shows down the road. Yeah. And we'll do one more. January 1st, 1985. Happy New Year. Hulk Hogan travels to Tokyo, Japan for a Tokyo. big sellout. Yep. As Hulk Hogan and Samu. Samoan number three fight Antonio Inoki and Tatsumi Fujinami to a double disqualification when the strong machines interfered, brother. Mm. Yeah, so then, then Hulk goes on for most of a lot of January of 85 in, in Japan after that. What a month for Hulk. I mean, huge crowds. Maybe even 10,000 in the in Minnesota. You know what I mean? That's a huge crowd for them to draw. At that time? Yeah, at that time at, there. That's really good. Because it was still AWA. Yeah. Yeah, that's yeah, really good, I think. Yeah, the Gibbs thing, I don't know how how I have that twice. They might have showed it on both. They probably showed it on both yeah, shows. Probably that's, that's what, what I think of. But yeah. I, I can't. I'm not going to be able to live without myself without knowing. So we will know on the next 24 inch podcast. <laughs> All right, sounds good. Well, I'm pumped it- up. Yeah, what was that? You going to say something? What was what? Oh, I thought you were going to say no. something. All right, good job, Dave. I'm pumped up about this show. I'm pumped up to read the news. So let's take a break. We'll be right back with uh, both of those things.
Madison Square Garden Network presents the World Wrestling Federation. Brought to you by Mitsubishi Motors. Mitsubishi takes you where you want to be. By Manufacturers Hanover, we realize your potential. By TWA, leading the way, TWA. By Texaco, Texaco superstar power for more car power. By Planters, New York's number one sports nut. And by Ivory, for a pure, natural kind of clean, lather up with Ivory. 24-inch podcast, we are back. Really exciting show tonight. We're getting ready for our WrestleMania 1 show next time. But before we get to that, we got to kind of start to set the table. And they call it the Road to WrestleMania now. Uh, But before they had that name, this would have been the start of it, I think, this year. Our show tonight. Before we get to that, Dave, it's time to read the news. December 1984 is the month that we read the news. And we have a film premiering on December 1st. A classic 1980s comedy that I've seen more times than I can count. Directed by Martin Brest and starring Eddie Murphy. Beverly Hills Cop number one. Tim Mangione's favorite movie of all time. What a film. And I'm one of the few people that like Beverly Hills Cop 3 because I love that that uh, sequence on the ride where he's the, ride, the carnival ride's falling apart. Oh, I don't mind 3. He's jumping. Yeah. I mean, I don't a think lot it's of people as good as 1 or 2, but I don't hate no, it. No, yeah. it's, got, got, it's got like that Rocky 5 hate, which I also love. <laughs> you know, Rocky 5, you can keep. All I right. love it. I love the fight at the end. That's my favorite fight in all the Rockies. Maybe not considering 1, but whatever. Love the street fight. Also on December 1st. The Heisman Trophy, the 50th annual Heisman Trophy, Dave, which is given for what? Oh, um, oh, uh, it's a uh, football for. Um, oh, it's a co- uh, for, for college. Yep, you got it. Best player yeah, yeah. in college football that yeah. year, and this year it went to a small, short quarterback from Boston College. Later played in the NFL for the Chicago Bears and the Buffalo Bills, and really got famous as one of the star quarterbacks in the Canadian Football League. And even had a band that once lost to Howard Stern's band um, on the Howard Stern show. Dave, who is this little diminutive BC quarterback that won the Heisman Trophy on this night? In 1984? In 1984. Uh, He was in a band, too, you're saying? Yeah, he had a band with his brothers in his hometown of Boston. And they played the Idiots on the Howard Stern show and lost. Also, like Chris Jericho's band also lost to them, which is kind of okay. kind of the end of the credibility of that bit because everyone obviously knew at that point that people were voting for Howard's band, like as a, yeah, you know. Uh, but I know I don't. Doug I Flutie, no Doug Flutie. Oh, I've heard of him. Heard of him. Well, I hope so. All right, Doug Flutie. What else do we got? Congrats, Doug Flutie, who who really won the Heisman Trophy on the strength of a 
Never would have got it, but I have heard have heard of him. Fam- Some of them I say I haven't heard of. Yeah, famous Hail Mary pass that he made uh for Boston College to beat Miami, the Hurricanes. Uh and um Brett Musburger is on the call of that famous one there. All right, so let's talk about another quarterback. How about Dan Marino? You heard of him? Definitely heard of him. Okay, he breaks the NFL single season touchdown pass record when he threw his thirty seventh in the Dolphins forty Five to thirty-four loss to the Raiders. He finished with forty-eight touchdowns. Dave, that record would stand until two thousand eleven, when it was broken by what quarterback? Tom Brady. No. Um. Two thousand eleven. Come on. Uh, Roth- Roethlisberger. No. Why am I asking uh, you this and getting mad? Um. Holy cow, Dave. So somebody from the Saints quarterback, I can't think who it is. Drew Brees. Oh, Drew Brees, okay. No, oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. I might have to quit. Oh. <laughs> All right. All right. Uh, let's see. The Ace Cable Awards, December 4th. David Bowie, Serious Moonlight by Anthony Eaton. Uh, mm. And HBO are winners on that. Who knows why David Bowie won an Ace Cable Award, but. <laughs> I know the NWO was there present and invaded the A's Cable Awards in like 97. All right. The A's trade Ricky Henderson on December 5th to the Yankees for Jay Howell and Jose Rijo. He'll, of course, go back to the A's later, win the World Series there, which we talked about on our last episode. I think it was the last one we talked about. it. Recently, we talked about it either way. December 6th, France performs a nuclear test. Could you imagine France dropping a nuclear bomb anywhere? No, I couldn't. Oh my God, those just, yeah, yeah. Um, I probably should keep my comments to myself. I don't want to like Tony Tony Soprano. So hey, how are French fries? <laughs> <laughs> December eighth, Saturday Night Live. Or did he say? To- or did he say how's the toast? To Carmella, I yeah, can't remember toast. which one it was. I think it's a toast. Yeah, it's toast. Yeah. Yeah. Saturday Night Live is hosted on December eighth by one of the famous rock drummers of all time. Uh, Herbie Hancock is a musical guest. I'm surprised they didn't ask this drummer to be the musical guest in some way. Um, who is this musical guest, Dave? One of the great rock drummers. A rock drummer that could host Saturday Night Live. Yeah, in 80, and, in and really it's for his celebrity. You know, like he, he almost transcends drumming in his celebrity. And, and like the of best. Of course, I know, I know who this is. Oh, just, God, yeah. It's, yeah. it's not about when I say the best, it's not about his skill. It's not like John Bottom or Neil. No, that's a good guess. It's not like John uh, Bottom or Neil. Don't 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 Neil tell Pert. me. Uh, yeah, yeah. Don't think of that. Like, don't think of a virtuoso. This is just a very famous drummer. Keith Moon's dead, right? By yeah, then, yeah, uh, not him. But you're. I mean, same country. Uh, fuck. Peace and someone love. Someone that can act. Peace and love. Someone... Peace and love. Oh, Ringo. 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 Okay. Yeah. Okay, I wonder, I wonder how he did. He seems kind of rigid. Uh, yeah, a friend friend of mine, uh, Mike. We had like this big four o'clock in the morning conversation. On how Ringo's a uh, a good, a really good drummer, and underrated. And he was explaining it to me why. Yeah, I mean he's solid. Yeah. He's, yeah, he's good for the songs that he plays on. I guess, which is the most important thing. Uh, I always say I'm not a huge Beatles song Beatles fan, but then when I hear the songs, I like them all. So I guess technically I am. Yeah, I like them. 
I don't love him, though, but I like him. Right, yeah, yeah. Same, same. Yeah, December 9th, the L.A. Rams running back Eric Dickerson, who wore the goggles. Remember him, Dave, in the in the 80s? Uh, he rushed no. for 215 yards and set the season record. That's why I bring it up. 2,105 yards. It still stands today. And he's one of these weird guys, Dave, who roots against anyone breaking his record. You know how normally when a big sports record is going to be broken, they, like, go, they watch it get broken, they go, they shake the guy's hand. I don't know if you remember when Mark McGuire broke the home run record in 1988. The Maris family was there, or 1998, I think I said 88. The Maris family was there, and they shook hands and hugged Mark. And I don't know, it's kind of like a, he is not like that. Well, I don't want anybody breaking my record of drinking four beers while singing Girls, Girls, Girls on karaoke at the Snug Harbor down the street. So I could kind of feel where he's coming from. That's fair, I guess. I kind of think records are made to be broken, and you kind of embrace the guy. And especially when you've held the record for this long, I don't think it takes anything away. Uh, Adrian Peterson was the last person to really have a run at it. And it was down to the last run of the season, and he just got tripped up, or he would have literally walked off. Ran it into the end zone in the last second, a walk-off run, and broke the record at the same time. He just got tripped So you up. think uh, John Cena is going to uh, break Ric Flair's uh, record? Of, yeah, uh, that's. Title? I don't think he's going to. I always thought he would, but I don't think so at this point. Is is the guy that he's fighting at WrestleMania a, a champion? I have you no don't know. You no, don't know. no Roman Reigns has them both, right? Does he? I have no yeah, idea. Yeah, no, Roman I, Reigns definitely has them out. both, and he's had them both for a long time. Okay, yeah, so I, I guess that ain't going to happen. Yeah. Uh, December 14th, sportscaster Howard Cosell retires from Monday Night Football. What was the most famous Howard Cosell moment on Monday Night Football? David transcends football and sports. Kind of, uh, kind of related to something we've already talked about in this newscast. When John Lennon was killed? Yes, when John Lennon was killed, he gave the news on Monday Night Football, Howard Cosell. And he retired on this day four years later, I guess, because that was 1980. Um, oh, December 9th. George, big fan of Howard Cosell. Yeah, I think almost anyone who is a fan of sports media and the way Craig Maravini is, um, yes. yeah, he'd be a fan. Uh, I'm a big fan of uh, Craig Maravini's daughter, um, Spencer. I don't know her. Oh, yeah. very, very, very kind-eyed uh, lady. Uh, December 19, 33 unknown Bach keyboard works were found in the Yale Library. Um, one of them was 18 in Life. Another one was Slave to the Grind. <laughs> <laughs> No, silly, not that Bach. Uh, what else? A lot of sports on here, this one. Uh, maybe the, the world was just winding down the year. Not as much politics and things like that. Here's some politics. December 19th, Chinese Prime Minister Zhao Ziyang and British Prime Minister Margaret Thatcher signed the Sino-British Joint Declaration to transfer Hong Kong back to China in 1997. I remember when it was transferred back, actually. I remember that night. Mm. Because they're in the East, so they have New Year's before us, right? So I remember the video, like, on TV, sitting in my grandma's house. Chinese New Year. Yeah, waiting to go to dinner and seeing, like, well, it was the regular, it was the the, the New Year, everyone else, it was December 31st into the 1st. Do we have to call it Asian New Year now? No, I think you could still, but that's a different thing, Chinese New Year. This was the, the, the New Year's Day in China happens because of the time zones before our new year's does like they're ahead of us like australia is the first one to have new year's and then china is before the east coast whatever i just remember the night it's not that important i suppose um okay december 19th former sportscasters guest scotty bowman 
wins his 691st regular season game, the most by any coach. Still a record to this day. A lot of records that still standing to this day. December mm-hmm. 20th, not to be outdone by the French. The U.S. performs a nuclear test at the Nevada test site. Now, this sounds like our old news reports, right? There's a lot of nuclear tests. Yeah, they love this. this early site. shows, yeah. I'm wondering where the... Um, the uh, plays are. Maybe they don't open in December. Maybe later after Christmas we'll have one. December 22nd, yeah. Dave, a huge hit in the 80s. Goes number one for six weeks. A female pop artist. Probably, Madonna? Probably, yes. Probably your biggest hit. Uh, Not Borderline? No, bigger than that. Bigger than that? That's my favorite one by her. Um, 84, what was like the prayer wasn't out yet, right? Uh, like a virgin. Like a virgin, yep. Just co- covered by Motley Crue with a kick ass on it. It's one of my favorite crew songs. One of my favorite crew covers. Yeah, it's uh, good. It's on the last song on the dirt. They did a really good job. Vince sounds phenomenal on it. Yeah, I've heard it. I've heard it as well. Yeah. Enjoy it. At first, I was like, what? Yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah, it was like, mm. but then I'm like, oh, no, this is good. I did a good job. Sometimes it's like covers like that. Like something that is so out of the realm of like the artists, you think it'd be like a gimmick, but yeah, they, yeah. they put a cool twist on it. It still probably was a little bit of a gimmick, but I no, like it. Of yeah, it kicks yeah. butt. Because like, look, Motley Crue, like a virgin. You know what I mean? It's the complete opposite. So this was a big day for Dave on December twenty eighth. Ted Hughes, Dave's favorite poet, is appointed British poet laureate by Queen Elizabeth II. Only one poet po- laureate around uh, around oh, yeah. here and on this podcast. We know who that is. I right, rest s- in peace. I serve that up for you right there, baby. <laughs> <laughs> uh, December twenty. It's like a uh, uh, five year old, six year old kid. I don't know what the hell's poet laureate mean? <laughs> but I still was saying it. <laughs> TV soap Edge of Night adds a twenty eight year run. Man, these soap operas go forever. December twenty eighth, not to be outdone by the U.S. or France. Oh, my microphone fell down. A lot of men watch soap operas. I I know wrestling's a soap opera for men, whatever, whatever, whatever. But I can I can never get it. I can never watch never, a soap opera. Never watch one. But a lot of minutes. men do. Yeah, I, it's it's just like it just comes off as weird. Like I just can't I can't follow it or anything. It's very strange, strange television. Yeah, it's for housewives. Just yeah, the is. intro the intro music's pretty cool though. December twenty eighth, the USSR get in in the game, perform a nuclear test in Eastern Kazakh. Um, let's see, December 29th, Wayne Gretzky scores his NHL career 30-second hat trick and adds, adds three assists and Edmonton's 6-3 to three win over Detroit for his 100th point in just his 35th game, uh, wow. second fastest in history. He, he had the record, so he just missed breaking his own record, which was the year before, where he had 100 points in 34 games. He was a different... Different beast, that Wayne Gretzky. December 31st, a sad but important day in rock and roll. You mentioned him earlier. I, De- know it, I think I know what it is. All right, go for it. It's Rick, Al- it's, uh, yeah. Rick Allen's arm, right? Yep, yeah, you got it. Yeah, Rick you, Allen. You know, well, let me say what it is so yeah. listeners understand. Uh, Def Leppard's drummer obviously has one arm since his time is where he was in that tragic car accident and lost his arm, and they were able to make a drum kit, special drum kit for him. Uh, to play, continue to play with one arm, which he does to this day. It's funny you mention this. The other night, last week, uh, Leopard and Crew were playing it in um, the Hard Rock in uh, Hollywood, Florida, and uh, some crazy uh, college uh, 
Rick Allen was outside having a cigarette outside his oh, hotel. Oh, he got beat with, up or something, right? With his one arm. Yeah. yeah. You know how these, these kids these days, they attack people and run away as a joke? Yeah. And they, they saw an armless man, and they, like, knocked him. They didn't get beat up. He just got, like, knocked down. And, uh, yeah, and I, I think that I hope they got the guy, and he's going to be pr- prosecuted because, you know, this is a handicapped man you're attacking. You know, you shouldn't be attacking anybody, but, I mean, crazy. Idiots. I mean, I, I've been to that venue and been to a concert there i saw better than ezra there it's the last concert i saw before the um pandemic and it's a really nice place too um and the in the the venue itself is far from the road it's that's a really bizarre yeah i watched it on youtube but you know this looks like i couldn't really see yeah yeah i don't think he, he wasn't you know he didn't miss any dates he wasn't um well i think actually the, the run ended there uh, this leg but you know i don't think he was injured badly or anything it's just just the point of what's become of you know, we're I'm still a wild guy. You know, I act like a kid, but I mean, would never. Me and my friends in a million years, how many beers we had, how many this we did, that we did, would never do something like that. That's just ridiculous. Brutal. Sad. All right, December thirty first as well. Not only did Rick Allen lose his arm, but New York City subway gunman Bernard Getz surrenders to police in New Hampshire. Do you remember this story, Dave? Say it one more time, brother. I'm Ber- sorry. Bernard Getz, he surrenders to police. He was uh, he was jumped on the subway by a bunch of guys, and he defended himself with a gun and killed all of them. And it was a famous case in the 80s in New York and kind of one of those things that talks about race and self-defense and all right. these kind of hot-button issues. Kind of a really famous moment. And <laughs> I bring up Bernard Getz because he's another guy that a few years later uh, Howard Stern humiliated on his uh, Channel 9 show. Um, if you mm. want to see a guy get absolutely clowned, uh, you can check. Just Google Howard Stern Channel 9 show Bernard Gutz and check that out. But, Dave, that is the news for December of 1984. All right. Let's go back to the garden, Dave. The garden. And let's talk about it for a second here. It was on, as we said earlier, uh, the 28th. Of December, just a couple days after Christmas, 26,092, including several thousand at the Felt Forum. It was a sellout for both the arena and the Forum. So literally no one else could. And that goes to show you how how little people had cable at the time. Because why go to the Felt Forum then? You know what I mean? Sure. If you had cable. Live on the MSG network. What a night. It was backstage during this event. That ABC 2020 reporter, John Stossel, was assaulted by David Schultz during an interview in which Stossel asked Schultz if wrestling was fake. As a result of the incident, Stossel filed suit against both the WWF and Schultz, which he settled and won a nice amount of money by doing so. And has joked kind of over the years as an FU to the WWF and Schultz that his hearing and his ear healed after he cast a check. Yeah, what a piece um, of garbage. So I think he was working the workers there uh, with that lawsuit. Yeah. You could see him, uh, the, the Rene Goulet match. You could see him out there do, like pointing doing up the in the ring, doing it. his piece. Yeah. And Goulet hit the ropes hard uh, and on purpose, I think. And you could see him like kind of uh, uh, Stossel get, get startled uh, while, while this is happening. It's pretty cool. Stossel has a, a really good YouTube channel present day. Um, and he really is politically aligned with us and calls out a lot of the stuff we hate, the woke and uh, some of these things. He's had an interesting career. Um, 
obviously to wrestling fans, he's a heel. And, uh, you know, but like you said earlier, you don't well, I can forgive him. You don't I forgive, people uh, upside the head. You know what yeah. I mean? Probably... Richard Belzer, uh, you know, I'm a fan of uh, SVU. So, you yeah, know I mean? obviously I forgave him too. <laughs> Shit happens. <laughs> Over time. Rest in peace, yeah. Richard Belzer. He yeah, passed recently. away about a month ago. Yeah, recently. Uh. Another former, huge former Stern guy. This event right. was televis- televised on Madison Square Garden Network. Uh, Gorilla Monsoon and Gene Orkelin are on commentary. Originally announced to appear, Dave. Paul Orndorff, Rocky Johnson, Angela Moscow. And a match between Nikolai Volkov and Tony Gurria. Interesting that uh, what happened there to those guys is different. Yep. Um, since I got into wrestling in 86, usually my cards you know, might be a guy replaced, but like not not like that. Right. Which, uh, you yeah. Know? yeah. Uh, it featured Sidney Lauper being presented an award by the WWF for contributions over the last year. We'll talk about that segment in a minute um, when we get to it. Uh, it says, like we said earlier, that the Volkov and Gurria match doesn't take place. And instead, we get started. Dave, we had a match that appeared on Primetime Wrestling on February 19th, 85 episode. Many of the matches uh, tonight do. Yeah, Primetime Wrestling starts uh, three days later on January 1st, 85. Yep, and on 2-1985, Brutus Beefcake uh, with Johnny V pins SD Jones at 13-12 with a running knee lift. I didn't love this match, Dave. Beefcake's really green here. Um, and the match is really slow, and it's too long. These guys didn't need 13 minutes. Um, you know, it, it is what it is, I guess, and a weird finish. Um, running knee lift, um, interesting. I actually like that that uh, finishing move. I thought he did a good job with that running knee. Maybe a little bit of an upset. Um, Over SD Jones, Brutus? In, the first, uh, in 1985? Nah, January. Or, nah. Brutus, Brutus was coming in. December uh, of 84? Yeah. yeah he, they, had him walk, they had him walking around the ring on TV. I mean, Who not that man? hot. He's jerking the curtain here. Yeah. Jerking the curtain here. He's well, no, it's, it's, you know, it's enhance, enhancement for him. Yeah. Well, but uh, You liked it? Yeah, I mean, yeah, okay. I'm a big Brutus fan, and I think it's the start of bringing the color into the WWF that we love, you know, a character like Brutus, you know what I mean? Starting to get the back ones out and guys like that, and here comes here comes the color. You know, I mean, green, yes, he was. But I mean, I mean color, like, animated, like an animated character. Sure. Here. You know, we're going to see JYD later, you know, as well. <clears throat> Give me 622 or 722 of that color, and maybe I like it more. 1322. Too much. Yeah, it's a little. It's a little, all these all these openers at the garden. It's always like that. You know, it's they're all too long. All right. Next up, this also appears on prime time to nineteen eighty five. The Italian with his parents in the crowd, so proud of you, baby. <laughs> Salvatore Bellomo. They pinned the Johnny Raz at a five thirty six. I was so disappointed when I found out he's Belgium and not Italian. <laughs> yeah, that damn culture. After all these years, culture appropriator. <laughs> they couldn't get an Italian to play the Italian. I'm offended. Uh, <laughs> it was at 5:36 with a reverse cross body off the middle turnbuckle. Prior to the bout, Finkel introduced his parents, who were sitting in the crowd. Um, boy, these guys stink. <laughs> there was some charm to this match, though. Like these two guys rolling around. Bulomo looks ridiculous in his um, his wrestling gear. Um, the tricolor wrestling gear and Johnny Rods looks a little uninterested. Yeah, he's a little past his prime, Johnny Rods. It had it's, uh, it, there was some charm to this though. The parents in the crowd and 
you know, if, and again, the right time, 536. I could tolerate it. I liked it a little bit better than the first one. What do you think of this one, Dave? I like it. I like, it's it's charming to me. This kind of stuff. I'm probably a little biased. You know what I mean? That's you know, it's the garden. You know, you know, it starts off slow and stuff like that. I'm happy they gave uh, Belomo the nod there with his parents to the crowd. Yeah, because you know, he doesn't doesn't win off, and it was a, it was a sloppy uh, high cross body there uh, to oh yeah to end it. He and, missed uh, it really. Yeah. Girl calls yeah. him out too. Girl calls him yeah, out. Yeah, like, but when the, in wrestling when these mistakes happen, a lot of them happen with Goldberg in the modern day. It, it makes it seem more real. Like this is what would hap- right. happen in, Not a, real, in a real fight. Perfect. Yeah. Is, yeah. So you know, it just it, it's it's become more of an art where everything has to be perfect instead of a real fight. So you know that adds a little realism to them. The, the uh, realism to it, the botches. However, somebody could get hurt with a botch as well. So take it either way there. Yeah. But, uh, you know, it was all right. You know, I, was, I always liked uh, Blomo. And uh, Johnny Rods, one funny story, uh, they had, he had Vince had him on TNT, Vince and Alfred, probably uh, right around his time, a little after. And the, the, uh, they called Johnny Rods the unpredictable one. He's like, you know who gave me that name? And Vince is like, well, who might that be? <laughs> Johnny Rods like, it was you. Oh, is that so? You know, <laughs> the way Vince says. <laughs> That's funny. It's just uh, always stuck in my head. But uh, Johnny Rods, one, one one of the early Hall of Famers, and uh, well deserving as well. Sure. He was. Uh, they trained a lot of guys, I believe. He did. Uh, yeah. After that as well. Yeah. yeah. So he's uh, definitely a uh, good legend in the business. Yeah, yeah. Good to see him. He was definitely fa- phasing out. Uh, you're not going to see too much more of Johnny Rods. It, he has a he has a TV match with Hulk around this time. Uh, then it's it's on the primetime intro. Hulk's dropping an elbow on him. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. Their first primetime intro. And then he he doesn't roll over into eighty six so at all probably not even second half eighty five <clears throat> so it's, he's on his way out. Well, the next match is special because it appears not only on primetime wrestling, the two nineteen eighty five episode, but also on Japanese TV on January fourth eighty five. Uh, it's World Martial Arts Champion Antonio Inoki, who you mentioned earlier, pins David Schultz at five sixteen with an Ingizuri. And Schultz and Anuki's last MSG appearance. Very, very strange seeing Schultz shoulders getting uh, pinned down to somebody aside from Hogan. Shows you, you the know, respect they had for yeah, Anuki, she had yeah. definitely because Schultz, you know, he he, he wasn't just going to lay down for anybody. And Antonio Anuki, that that you know, that's uh, that's an A lister, even higher in, in professional wrestling, right there. And um, an honor to have him at Madison Square Garden on this night, like you said. The biggest night of the year at the Garden. Why not have Antonio Inoki there? He also won a battle royal there. Uh, I think July of '84. And they made a big the deal. Garden. They made a big deal on the broadcast on MSG of mentioning that the Japanese television crew was there. They showed him a few times to kind of make it out to be like what a big star he is, you know, and how big this is in Japan, and really made it feel big. And again, five sixteen. I think it's the right amount of time uh, for something. Yeah, it's like a good this. match. Yeah, it's a good match. I enjoyed it. Um, Love Schultz. I wish I wish he lasted longer. Uh, God, what a badass! You yeah, know, it's the kind of wrestler like a Paul Orndorff. You know, like a, well, like a Steve Austin. You know, sure. took a lot of stuff. Took a lot of stuff from from uh, David Schultz. With that, that's how we say Stone Cold took all stuff from David Schultz, Bad News Brown, and the Sandman. And he'd tell you that without uh, without. Yeah, a problem. Oh, yeah. oh God, yeah, Austin's yeah. cool, cool as hell. Yeah. yeah, he's not gonna not hiding anything there. No, no, yeah. yeah. Um, primetime wrestling airs this one as well, Dave, on the 19th of February in 85. The Junkyard Dog pins Paul Kelly 
at 305 with a really good power slam, actually, though. This is JYD's MSG debut, and it was, as I talked to you about this earlier before we started. I was watching the version uh, that aired on 24 7 when they had that on the website. And uh, they didn't edit, edit out the uh, Queen song here. Another one bites the dust, but they do edit out. Um, Girls just want to have Girls fun. Girls just want to have fun. And then they don't edit out Eye of the Tiger. So I don't know why some stayed in, some didn't, but. Um, you know, Howard Finkel wasn't doing his job back in uh, 2004 when he <laughs> when he's being aired. Cool to see um the debut of you know what that, the dog here though. You know what that reminds me of? There's a box set of WrestleMania VHSs that came yep. out during the Attitude Era. All the original you know about shit. That? Yep. And they they forgot to they didn't touch them. Uh, I wasn't a fan of the Attitude Era. Uh, I love Austin McMahon feud, but for for the most part, I, I'm not into the Attitude Era. Uh, but um. Tim uh, was into the Attitude Era, and and he, uh, I met him after that, but he gave me that box set. That's something I I cherish, you know, because yeah, I was looking them up. Originals. I was was looking them up uh, on eBay, and there there's plenty there, and not for much. So I'm gonna buy one at some point. Yeah, yeah, it's worth it. It does have the, and there's two versions of it. One that came out at WrestleMania 14, and then another one that came out at WrestleMania 15. And really, the only difference is that WrestleMania 15 is in there. The only ones I don't have WrestleMania one and two anyway, but it's still you got them all together. You know what I mean? You it's a great set. It. Yeah, it's a, yeah, yeah, yeah. And like you said, with basically untouched from what was uh, originally aired, so that's really cool. Um, that's a really cool set. Tim getting a lot of air tonight. Yeah, that's yeah, a lot of air for Tim. We got have to boss him around, make him do something for us or something for all this airtime. Uh, but yeah, cool. Send to me see, some money. Cool to see JYD's debut. Uh, he's headbutting. He's juking. He's jiving. He's doing the JYD show, and the crowd's into it. He's super over, and a huge pop for him, and an easy win. Uh, Who the hell is Paul Kelly? I think I I've seen him on TV, TV a couple know. times. But you think this would be Terry Gibbs or so, you know uh, somebody you know a little more known? This guy is a complete unknown, and he's trying to kick out. I don't know if he was just doing like that leg kick. Yeah, what the do. hell was he thinking? That's like why we don't trying, know who he yeah. is because yeah. they told him to get the fuck out there. He didn't probably. know how to work. Yeah, and this happened again to Junkyard Dog on a wrestling challenge in '86. It was a tag team match with um, George Steele and JYD against Joe Murdo and somebody. And I, I don't know if it was Murdo or, or the partner who's escaping me, but the same thing. They were trying to kick out a dog's power slam. Maybe it was some kind of rib on a dog. Yeah, it's like and he didn't want had... to do the job yeah. or something. And, and on cha- challenge, Heenan goes, what, what, what are they, going to count to 100? You know, yeah. the same thing. Gorilla's all over it. He's like, okay, he got him. But the ref just kind of lays there and dog lays on him like, no, you're going to count to three again. Because I think the guy kicked out, to be honest. So dog just stayed right on him. And the guy counted again, this time to three. And as to who was it, Gorilla or Gene? One of them said, all right, six. They got six now. I think it was Gorilla said it. So That's where Bundy got the idea for five. For the five, yeah. He was watching in the back. <laughs> <laughs> all right, moving on. Next, another weird one, or, or a weird one. Uh, this one airs not on primetime, but on All-American Wrestling. On January 13th, 85, and again on Japanese TV on the 4th, uh, the Cobra pinned Black Tiger to right. win the vacant WWF Junior Heavyweight title at 1219 with a tombstone and a senton bomb off the top. After the bout, Blackjack Tiger attacked the Cobra 
after Cobra offered to shake hands. Moments later, Cobra retaliated by hitting Tiger with the steel chair. This is also on the best of the WWF Volume 1, which you can hear or, um, Keithy and Pete talk about on one of the very first um, prime um, greetings from Allentown Lives. So shout and out I to think, those boys. Hey, shout out, guys. And I think most famous for the Coliseum video intro. There's a lot of shots from this match. Yeah. You know, they're, da, 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 yep. da. there's a couple, maybe a couple of three different uh, shots uh, from from this match, Cobra and Black Tiger. But it's a sign of things to come. Can you tell us about like. these guys at all? Uh, the uh, the, the uh, was it um, Tiger Mask was a big uh, Japanese star. Which right. I, you know, I'm not unless Hogan and Andre are right. And he Adonis, wrestled. I'm he wrestled. Dynamite in the garden, what a few But that's not this. Tiger Mask. But it's I don't, not I don't think this guy is him. I think it's like a uh like uh like how the berserker acts like Bruiser Brody, you know, like that kind of thing. Like a, a, a carbon copy of it. You know, so uh yeah, yeah, Dynamite wrestled them a few years prior. That's a rare one. I don't know, you know, not my style. You know what I and mean? And the belt uh, the no, belt no is story actually behind it. Was vacated you know. by Dynamite Kid when he jumped to all Japan. So that like right. he was the last one to hold this title. Um, and, uh, Cobra is a British guy, uh, I believe, um, I forget, forget what his name is, but he was an English wrestler, the one that, so it's not, it's not the Japanese guy that's famous and it's not the English guy that's famous. It's kind of two stand-ins with different names, right? It's not dynamite, it's Cobra and it's not tiger mask. It's, you know, as long as it wasn't Paul Kelly under there, black tiger. It's not Paul Kelly, no. Uh, <laughs> as good as as good as Paul Kelly is, once was enough to see that guy tonight. But anyway, um, they gave him a lot of time and twelve minutes and twenty nine seconds, and it's a good ending. Like the last minute and a half, maybe two minutes, kind of the pace picks up and they're hitting some cool moves. But you know, uh, this is one of those things where it really is a like a gymnastics, the fake fight, right? I mean, there's no reason to like or dislike either guy they're both under hoods right you know you can't see their faces just flipping around and it's know. a little better than today but i mean they're a little bigger at least yeah you know, they look a little 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 more intimidating but they're, I mean, they're little yeah though. i mean they're not huge. yeah I, mean, I i do i gotta say i did like um mysterio and psychosis you know when they're in ecw and wcw malenko guerrero i was into that but it just well on the dynamite got, kid tiger um, yeah, yeah, that's yeah, of amazing. Course. I didn't yeah. like anything that we get, but it just got so oversaturated and just took everything over with the wrestling fan that it put a bad taste in my mouth for it. So now I don't like it anymore. You know, and now Rey Mysterio going into the Hall of Fame, I'm like, ah, but I'm like, man, I used to love Rey Mysterio in WCW. Never did anything for me in WWE. Can't tell you much about what it, anything big he ever did in WWE. I'm sure he has. I just can't tell you about it. But um, yeah, yeah, the Hall of Fame this year is, is brutal so far, and uh, WrestleMania is like two weeks away. All we got is Andy Kaufman for us, right? Uh, it's it's it, this is this. Well, I think it's getting close to the point where our guys are either in or not at this point, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they stopped, and they even stopped doing that. Um, what Lord Alfred Hayes and Bruiser right. Brody got in the uh, yeah, they, they what's don't the word do that for no it? More the I don't I, legacy or legacy, whatever, yeah. I thought maybe we'd get Hercules in there, Bundy, but uh, no, I think they didn't. They skipped it last year, I think. Hmm. So we'll find we'll find out. I I don't even know if I'm gonna be watching WrestleMania this year. I got a parade in Seaside. I think we're going to. I just man, it's 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 almost sad. It's you know, it almost breaks my heart that I'm so 
detached from it. I'm fine. But with uh, it. I guess it, yeah, it is what it is. Yeah, I'm fine you know? with it. I, I, no, it's not like I'm mad. It's just like it's it's sad because I'm such a you know for all, all these years of my life it was such an important thing to me. You know what I mean? These paper big pay per views and you get ready for them. Yeah, you go, but you know, you I guess what I'm party. saying. I guess what I'm saying is I'm not sad because I still love watching those things that I love. So instead of watching that, which is just not for me, I'll just spend the time, whether it's that day or a day around that. You know, Paul and I have been going through the WrestleManias. It's WrestleMania season. Yeah, of course. Long, yeah, watch watch so I just Never really enjoy doing that. I, it just doesn't bother me one bit. I'm not affected anyway by it. Um, I'll never stop watching the old stuff, but I mean, I, 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 you know, he thought maybe they'd bring the rock back or, you know, uh, you know, or, or like last year, you had Austin. Of course, I'm going to watch that, you know, thing, or if Hulk's Holston, you're going to watch his part. Yeah. But, you know, it's and just, every uh, few WrestleManias, you get one of those moments this year. Just yeah, isn't that. Yeah. Yep. This, yeah. I was talking to a guy at work today. Uh, one of the detectives is a wrestling fan. <laughs> and yeah, it's just like, just like kind of just like, blah, meh, you know, nothing, nothing happening. Does he listen? The detective? Uh, you know, I, I I I did not tell him, but I will. Yeah, I didn't. It's it's always short spurt conversations because he's busy, you know, and I'm I'm mm-hmm. I'm the maintenance guy, so I kind of don't want to bother him. So it's a little, a little bit of a uh, you know short talks, but uh, but I, yeah, I will. That, that's a good idea to let him know about the uh, show. All right, up next, this also airs on Prime Time to nineteen eighty five. Jimmy Snuka and the Tonga Kid fought Rowdy Piper and Bob Orton Jr. to a double disqualification. At 14.58, when all four men began brawling in the ring, and Snuka shoved the referee to the mat. After the bout, Snuka and Tonga cleared the ring of the opposition. It also is part of Roddy, Roddy Piper's greatest hits. Um, man, and they were Snuka and Tonga, man. Tonga Kid is one of the greatest professional wrestlers of all time, I think. He he got it. And when he was a bad guy with Haku, was the Islanders, he could talk, he could move, he could wrestle yeah, he, he looked, looked great in this he match wasn't yeah. that big but he was tough he was believable like a, a guy like you know i mean he's the guy's rotten in hell right now but he chris benoit he was small but he was fucking believable he's gonna kick the shit out of somebody or dynamite you know a dynamite yeah. same thing yeah. same thing some of these other guys today aren't that way but yeah um tonga kid phenomenal too bad he didn't he didn't last uh much longer in his run. He was only like 18 yeah, years weeks, old. A few weeks later, the, I, I, he said in an interview that he couldn't handle the pressure um, and he no-showed a bunch of dates and left. And he returned 18, yeah. 18 months later. He came back to form the Islanders with that coup. I was drinking beers with him at the last WrestleCon. <laughs> yeah, oh, great, great, great. Just It just seemed, it seems like, like, dude, I was watching you when I was six and now we like seem like the same age almost. It's weird. It's like, it's, it's such a strange feeling. And, uh, yeah, very, really, really good dude. Uh, religious, you know, very religious, but also will drink beer and, you know, and party and stuff like that. And, um, yeah, this, this feud, the garden's just on fire. Snooka, he was just so over there, you know, just as much as Hogan at this point still, you know. It was, yeah. He was um, the phenom. Yeah. A lot of heat and for this when, match. Gorilla, Gorilla and um, Gene are all over the rough um, for – Doing a shitty job. All fem- all four men are brawling as the ref signals for the bells. He can't c- control things. Piper accidentally hits Orton and the heels get dumped, but then run in for a sneak attack. Tonga grabs a chair and chases away the heels as the ref rules the match at double DQ. 14 mm-hmm. Yeah. There's supposed to be a really rematch uh, uh, the next month under Texas Tornado rules, which means you don't have to tag all the guys that are at the same time. 
but uh, Tonga Kid was gone already. And JYD replaced him. So it was JYD and Snuka against uh, Orton and Morocco the, uh, in January of 85 at, at the Garden. Really good stuff. Up next, another primetime match. Mike Rotunda. Southern. Orton and Piper. I said that. I say Morocco. I think Orton and Piper. Orton and Piper. All right, uh, two nineteen eighty five primetime wrestling shows this match. Mike Rotunda subbing for Angelo Mosca pins Rene Goulet at ten thirty eight. It was Rotunda who hit the ropes hard. Twin. Okay, yeah, he hit the ropes hard, and you see John Stossel like, oh, you know, he's like pointing up to that. I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah, um, this match is not good <laughs> uh, compared to you know the last one. Um, yeah, oh, well, yeah, it's, it's the popcorn match. Yeah, this is uh, take a break. We got some really cool shit coming. Um, airplane, spin, airplane spin was executed very well, I thought. Yeah, uh, let's see. At the end here, um, Rotundo tosses him off, fires away as the crowd couldn't care less. He sends Goulet upside down into the corner, hits him with an atomic drop. He works the leg, but Goulet regains control, puts him in the stretch as the crowd is showing fans in the crowd wearing masks. Uh, Rotunda hits a backdrop, then drops an elbow for two. He catches Goulet in airplane spin, drops him for the win at ten thirty-eight. So you're pretty new here, uh, Windebin Rotunda. I'm only a month or two in, I think. All right, WWF. Let me read this through, Dave. Let me read it through, and then we'll talk about it. Okay, you got it. All right, WWF President Jack Tunney's in the ring. He introduces Wendy Richter and Hulk Hogan, who's carrying a trophy. Hogan then introduces, or excuse me. Uh, Next, introduces Dick Clark, who flew in from Los Angeles for this presentation. Finally, we introduce Cindy Lauper, who's accompanied by David Wolf. Clark awards Lauper with a special achievement award to her contributions to women's wrestling. Hulk grabs the mic, and the crowd goes ballistic as he puts over Lauper. And again, just a huge star at this time, too. So, But we'll get back to that. She thinks everyone then presents a WWF gold and platinum record and then brings out Captain Lou Albano, thanking him for raising... $4 million for multiple sclerosis. Albano thanks everyone and says the award is an honor. As Orton and Piper are back, they sneak into the ring and grab the mic. Piper grabs the mic, stating that he set up everything, then smashes the record over Albano's head. Amazing. Uh, Lopper dives at his legs, but Piper kicks her off. He then slams David Wolf and takes off. As Hogan runs back, he had left. The fans are spitting and tossing stuff all over. Piper, as he walks back up the aisle, back in the ring, Hogan helps up Albano as Wolf gets taken out on a stretcher as Cindy Lauper's crying. The police are in the ring. Um, I think the one police officer was ready to, like, make an arrest. Tandem. Hulk throws one of them out of the way. Yeah. When he gets into the ring. Crazy. And this, Dave, this is how you start the road to WrestleMania. Right, right here. Right. One of the best segments in the history of the company. If you, you can't gave, touch it. If you gave grades to segments, this is seven stars. Like, this is... I mean, maybe the only one that could touch it is uh, the Andre turn on Hogan, segment-wise. And, you, and, and when it comes to things like this, you can't say modern versus... No, this is just... This part of it is what it is, right? Like, anyone... There's no new training. There's no new, whatever. You know, I guess stuff is scripted now versus non scripted. Maybe there's not even. There's no more segments, right? Yeah. There's nothing like this but anymore. If they wanted to do this, right, you could do it if you wanted or something like this. But whatever's been done from this point forward, maybe maybe we can talk about Hogan getting the shirt ripped by Andre and Piper Smith. That's so short though, and it, 
And that is more of a culmination of a bunch of those Piper pits, and you put them all together right, for kind right. of the moment. Where this is the biggest pop star, or one of, you know, it's like her and Madonna, right? You know, right there, but the back. biggest pop. Madonna star lasted longer, but at this time, in 1984, this, this is time, her year. Yeah. This is her year, right? Hogan's at Grammys. The, Hogan's at the Hogan. Grammys with her, and she's winning the awards. It's her year. She's the star, the biggest star. Dick Clark, America's oldest teenager, huge star. The guy who well, I thought that was me. The guy who you are now because Dick's dead. Uh, right. The guy who rings in the new year for the country, right? This is the guy when the country, fifty million people a year watching the clock strike midnight in a week. He's the guy counting down the ball drop, and they're in the ring at Madison Square Garden with the biggest. Was, wrestler. That would be just a few, a few days later. Yeah. Too. With, right after he this. probably stayed right there in New York oh, yeah. for the week. Uh, Hulk, you know, the biggest wrestler of his generation. You know, um, Piper, the biggest heel in 1984. Just the biggest thing. And for Lopper not even be involved, but to take a bump like that. I mean, he it wasn't a vicious <laughs> bump or anything, you know. But he kicks, he he kicks her across the ring. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, she knew what she was doing, though. And Wolf and, and, took uh, a big bump. I mean, he, he took, took a that slam. power slam. Yeah, you could tell he didn't. You know, he didn't know how to work with the Piper's like struggling with him. You know, the hundred and sixty pound guy, whatever, because he didn't know how to. Yeah, you know, he still got, he still got to go along with it. You know what I mean? So he didn't know what he was doing. But he was a big wrestling fan. He he. Oh yeah, he's the reason the one for that, it. Really, he's the reason for all this on on you know on the airplane with with Lou and uh, Cindy Lauper. And God, does Lou not get any credit? It's uh, unbelievable. He's great here. I mean, yeah, yeah, he he's the cause of all of all all this. You know what I mean? Just as much as Hogan and Piper. Yeah. You know what I he's mean? He's the one he, who he, made the relationship. He, yeah, the captain doesn't get much. I mean, they were they were mentioning his name on different strokes TV show. You know what I mean? I'm gonna wear rubber. Sam says, you know, little red Sam wear rubber bands like Captain Lou Albano. You know, and he, he was a he was a mainstream star at this time, and it's it's kind of been swept under the rug. Uh, Captain Lou, but and he um, was on the girls just want to have fun video. He kind of video, started, you know, started yep, the rock time, time after time wrestling so. connection there. Just yeah, unbelievable segment, and it went to perfection. The garden, it's a perfect night to do it, right? I mean, the garden is full in both buildings. You know, felt forums full. This is full. People out on Madison Avenue, right? It's like whatever. People are everywhere. You know? hanging from the rafters, literally. Yeah, and it's the one time. It's not even an exaggeration, right? Like, it's as many people as this place can hold. And they just do an unbelievable piece of business and set the ball in motion for... And people think it's real, too. This is still, you know, maybe 60% of the people in that building thought that was real. Yeah, and next week we'll we'll talk about it. We'll do WrestleMania 1 in the next show. But when we get to that, I want you to know that this is, you know, this is it right here. You know, this is the... They, is, I think they, the I think they had this in mind when they did the um, Austin and Mike Tyson. Uh, yeah, and they had all the cops. and that was really I, I think good they too. Had, and yeah, that was good. I think they had this in mind with that. And I they, think that was a play on this. And that's a great segment. Like that's great. Great segment. You know, I I loved it. Love Tyson. Perfect guy for it. And and it's another guy who loves wrestling, right? Tyson loves it. And and WrestleMania 14 was like a WrestleMania one in its own way. You know, from a yeah, big start, dip down yeah. and boom, boom, yeah. boom, 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 up, 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 up. 
So it's almost like it's very, very mimicked each other in a lot of ways, those, it, these it, two segments. It's the last one I kind of count as my first run. You know, for me, 1 to 14 is kind of what I watched. Yeah. You know, and after, you know, well, I guess 14 is actually in March of 87 or, or 98, excuse me. But, 98. Bas- but basically, you know, then I graduate in June of 98 and as college was on the, the – the attitudes are there, and I, I enjoy it, and I, I think I watch it through 98. I went to Survivor Series Deadly Game in November of 98 and uh, saw The Rock win his first title. Kind of a cool thing. Um, but this is really 1-14 to is kind of what I consider. You know, yeah, I, I say I'm that attitude era guy, but, but, I mean, The Rock, yes, anything he was involved in. Austin McMahon, yes, and also Mick Foley. So, I guess. And it depends yeah. when are you. Yeah. What, are, what is the attitude? Two dares start. When does it end? Right, because yeah. I love '97. One of '97 is one of my favorite years. All the great Bret Hart, Steve Austin stuff. The amazing match WrestleMania 13. The U.S. versus um, Canada stuff. The, yeah, no, I, in your I wouldn't call in your house in uh, Calgary. Like, that's a You're year right. I love. Canadian stamp, Canadian yeah. stampede. Yeah, yeah. I was at that SummerSlam that year here in the Metal. That's a great SummerSlam. Austin, bro- yeah. Austin broke his neck. Yeah, I'm on TV on that one too. I'm in a Generation Swine shirt when the Nation of Domination is coming down the aisle. If anybody wants to look for me there. But, um, yeah, in my opinion, I consider it uh, the Attitude Era started when Brett left. Yeah, uh, see, I would, Vince made I that would speech. start before that, I guess. But Yeah. Well, he made the, actually made the speech then. But uh, I don't know. But I didn't like like a lot of it. A lot of it didn't. It started getting, besides the big angles that McFoley was in or The Rock or or Austin, a lot of it just didn't make sense, like the un- the undercard to-, to me anymore. I just thought it was too stupid. But uh, it's okay. And then I loved it. When- and I loved it when Kurt Angle came in. But is that still the yeah? That's error? what I, I mean. What, what is the yeah. answer? So whatever. Yeah. Besides yeah. the point. Um. Let's move on. Amazing stuff there. Uh. Five plus stars. All right. What do we got? Two more matches. I think the tag team match. Uh. And it's a good one. Uh, the tag team champions Adrian Adonis and Dick Murdoch fought Jack and Jerry Briscoe to a double countout at twenty six forty six. Poof! All four men began brawling on the floor. After the match, the challengers put Adonis and Murdoch into simultaneous figure four leg locks, which I'm very surprised because now, uh, not not nowadays, but a year later, that would have never been allowed because we have we're in the middle of Tito and Greg's feud. Over the figure four leg lock. And then you got the Briscoes doing their figure four leg lock. If, you know, if, if this, if they came in in 87, let's say Vince is going to say, you're going to have to change your move, brother. You know what I mean? You can't, you can't use the figure four leg lock. It's Greg's move. You know, it's and Tito only uses it because of a few with oh, Greg. Right. Yeah. Maybe so, the Briscoes yeah, so, had pull, but they're gone yeah. in a month here. This, yeah. yeah. Well, no, they, uh, well, gone out of the ring, but obviously Jerry stays. Oh uh, yeah, yeah, no, the, behind they'd the be gone from the WWF in yeah. terms of wrestling yeah. in a month. Um, yeah, good match. I really like this. Right, Adonis any, is anything, unbelievable. Anything Adonis in, you ain't getting a better professional wrestler than Adrian Adonis. Another guy not in the Hall of Fame. And uh-huh. I, I compl- yeah, that's ridiculous. I complained earlier about the length of some of these matches, but twenty six minutes here felt like ten. Um, you have two hours with Adrian in there. Yeah, it's so it's good. gonna be good. Yeah, really great stuff. And Murdoch as well, another another great. It's me. He's not in the Hall of Fame either, right? Dick Murdoch. Oh, uh, that I'm not is sure. Is he in that part I, of something? I wouldn't. No, say. No, I don't think he is. I wouldn't say for sure either way. I'm not positive. I don't think he is. Wow. 
All right. Wow. Last match Crazy. before the Hulk. Um, also part of prime time. We saw Rotunda. Now we see Wyndham. He pins Mr. Fuji the 19th second mark with a bulldog. Yeah, they're, they're running out of time They're out here. of time. Yep, they're out of time. Mr. Fu- Mr. Fuji's biggest hit of this night was laughing in the background while Schultz was slapping the shit out of John Stossel. Yeah. Yeah. This is just the beginning of his training for the um, 5K before WrestleMania yeah. 5. <laughs> Got quite ready. a few years to go. Get ready for that. All right, the next but match. Barry Wyndham did look like he was going to be like a big... A big deal, you know what I mean? And he and was. They throw him in a tag team. Yeah, yeah, he was. Yeah, yeah he, just, he he didn't like the road, so he'd rather be in the NWA. That's why he he uh, quit after the Dream Team uh, took the belts from them. Uh, you know, quite yeah. some time after this, if, uh, in the summertime of '85, but he couldn't take the uh, the schedule of the WWF. <clears throat> but then the Dream Team would have a nightmare at WrestleMania. Yeah, he had a nightmare. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, shortly after that. All right, Japanese TV. Oh, I should say, as we mentioned, the nightmare. Uh, if you are interested. For the North-South Connection. You know what? I'll talk about it in the plugs. All right. Uh, let's do it. Japanese TV airs this match on January 4th, 85. And Primetime Wrestling airs it on the 19th of 85, as most of these matches. The WWF champion Hulk Hogan pins the Iron Sheik with Classy Freddie Blassie at 331 with a power slam and leg drop. This also appears on the WWE's Top 50 Superstars of All Time uh, DVD. Um, which I have across the room there somewhere. Um, when did this come out? Like 2010, 11, something. When they're putting those. Is, is it a random 50 or are they putting them in order? Uh, I don't remember. I'll pull it out tomorrow. I'll let you know. Mm. Yeah, it came mm. out October of 2011. But this is on there kind of as a random thing, right? If you want. It's ra- very random. Yeah, you want to find it. So here's the thing. The match is three minutes and 31 seconds. Clearly the time of this night got away from them a little bit. At the end here, uh, maybe that tag match should have been because I don't think they intended for this match to be three minutes. Probably more. Like yeah, with well, the segment, eight. the segment with Lauper. Yeah, all that it. stuff. They they ran out of time. And look at the match. Like she comes out first with Blassie. He does some great mic work. He keeps taking yeah. the mic from Fink. He's yelling about Cindy Lauper. Yeah, it's great. Herp. Doing just great stuff. Pissing the crowd Cindy off. Cindy Lauper. Cindy Lauper. <laughs> That's what a heel knows how to do. Yeah, get he, the heat back off that. And he's you know? he's doing it to a he's doing it to a T. And yep. then uh, the eye of the tiger hits, and the garden does go absolutely ape shit. Uh, one of the huge Hogan pops at the garden, and uh, he comes down and he uh, jumps on Sheik early. He controls the offense, and then Sheik catches him with a head down and turns it around for a little bit and gets a couple pinfalls at it. You know, don't go to three, just one, two pinfalls. And then he starts kicking Hulk in the back, and Hulk starts uh, hulking up and um, puts a really wicked potty slam on him. Uh, more power like a power slam. slam. Yeah. yeah, more like a power slam. Really, they they were going really fast. Like, the momentum just, kind of, I think, kind of carried them both over. Yeah, it was very hot. Yeah, yeah really great. hot. And uh, big slam, and then the leg drop in one, two, three. For, you know, I don't want to say a nothing match because... It served the purpose, but I mean, it's not—it's not a Kogan classic or anything. It's they had, they had some real good rematches at the Spectrum. Yeah, bloody. It's a two and a half star Hogan match, you know. Right. Yeah. And I'm most, agree with that. And most of that is coming from the heat and the crowd and the entrances and the body slam. You know, there's not a lot there to debate, but it's and, really and it's fun. Hulk Hogan yeah. and the Iron Sheik. You know what I mean? <laughs> there you go. 
instead of together, it's perfect. Instead of focusing on rating the match, let's talk about the night because these MSG shows, like they didn't do eighty four, but Justin and Scott from the Place to Be Nation, the flagship, they did the eighty five through ninety two of these nights. And I always wish they did 84, but I really wish, at the very least, they would have started here. You know what I mean? Instead of starting in January of 84. And I know the reason they did it was because there was a um, another show at the time that was going through it. They thought we're going to do 84. No, that's right. They didn't do 84s, right? Yeah, neither of them ended up doing it. That's the thing. There was another show, I think. Oh, I wish they went back and did like 83 and 84 instead yeah. of going into a territory we don't know. And I suggested what that. What are you going to do? It was, in yeah. the, it was on the list of what are we going to do. I was in the meetings, you know, with those guys. And that's what I was pushing for by law. Because even 83 had like Snooka, Morocco, you know what I mean? Even though Hope wasn't there yet. He Just, still had a, Justin a taste doesn't of like, our stuff. Justin just doesn't like this shit as much as we do. He was the one who was against it. It's too slow. It, it can be slow. If you didn't live it, I can understand it because Bruce Beefy against SD Jones on Superstars of Wrestling will be two minutes. But that same match on on the Garden is going to be 12 minutes. Right. You know what I mean? Sure. Uh-huh. My point was, though, when you look at, let's say, Hogan's run with the title the first time from 84 to 88, February of 88 or whatever it ended up being, February of 88. Where do you think this ranks, not Hogan matches at the Garden, but the night at the Garden in general? Top compared to, 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 to compared to that run, right? So you're starting with the first Sheik match we did at episode two, and you're going to whatever the last Garden show he had before he lost the title to Andre in the main event. That's, it's going to be a little hard for me to do. I'm going to answer it, but it's going to okay. be a little hard for me to do this because, of course, I'm going to have a bias to when I started watching them in real time. In if fall of '86, okay, live on MSG. Right, these I had to go back. Then you have personal memories. You remember some of these. Some of these I didn't see until I was an adult because you couldn't unless they're on Coliseum Video. Right, right. You know there Mm -hmm. there was no way of seeing them. So, but I had seen this 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 segment with Lauper was on Coliseum Videos and all. Uh, But thinking about it open mindedly, where am I going to rank it? Uh, What would I? is it in uh, the top it, ten? Oh, without a doubt. Okay. I, and, and 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 if I lived it, it if might I was be in the top older, five. Right. To, might be top three. Right. And that I, and that's if, what if I, I, I was it. getting at. I think that's what I was that, at the excitement level. Yeah, that's what I was trying to point. I was trying to make like the this, one. I, my the, number one is uh, Hogan and Piper when Piper first turned good against Race and Orndorff. Uh, Hogan and Orndorff too was red hot. That Garden was on. And I watched that one in real time. That garden was on fire. So that's my number one. But, I mean, if I was watching this in real time, this might be number two. Yeah, an amazing, amazing night. And that was kind of my point that I was bringing up. Just, like, how big of a night this was for the garden. How packed it was. How hot it was. And how historic it was. Because it doesn't get more historic than that segment earlier. Right? Like Then you get the the war to settle score one. Uh, in February is another hot, hot one. Um, the first Hogan flair, a little bit of a disappointment, but we were, we were very excited for it. Hogan just lost the belt to the undertaker two nights before. So like, ah, fuck, it's not a title match. You know what I mean? But I remember gathering around like it was a pay-per-view, you know, for everybody to, to, to watch that on, on MSG. I think, I think it aired a night, a night later. 
Well, not live, but we didn't know. But that's a big one, too. To close out, I will say, as we're talking about the best nights at the Garden with Hulk, I think the best night in that run without Hulk was February 23rd, 87, with the great, I put it, five-star main event, Roddy Piper, Junkyard Dog, and Steamboat. Roddy Elimination. Yeah, uh, over Savage, Adonis, and Race, an elimination match. 2020. Survivor Series test runs. And that was also on the WWF Top Superstars for the Superstars of all time and Best of WWF Volume 11, if you're looking for that yeah, match. That's a great card. You got Jake and Bundy, Tito and Butch Reed. That, that's, yeah, that, that's probably my favorite garden card without Hulk. Yeah, that's what, that's what I did. Doubt. Yeah, that was my yeah. point. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. A really good tag team match. The um, Killer Bees challenged the Heart Foundation. A really good match. I also like the one... Um, where uh, Savage and DiBiase in a cage uh, when Savage was a champion. It was like June of 88, and also Andre beat the shit out of Bam Bam that night, like for real. That's a good one without Hulk. <laughs> like for real. So, yeah. <laughs> That's a fun. Yeah, June 25th, 88, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. All right. Very good. Amazing show. Glad we did it. We're going to do WrestleMania 1 next. We'll talk about that in the next segment, but. All right, Dave, let's take a break. We're going to come back. We're going to answer some emails and some questions, some tweets, whatever we got. We're going to talk about what we're going to do the next few shows, and then we are going to uh, say goodbye. So you ready, Dave? Yes, I am. All right, we'll be right back. Four inch podcast. One more segment for you tonight. Great card at the garden. Fired up about that one, Dave. Glad we did it. Really exciting night. Love that segment. All right, quick plugs. Don't forget to check out this episode of the 24 inch podcast and every episode of it and every episode of the Sportscasters on our SoundCloud page. It's soundcloud.com slash sports casters. Now, some good news for people who listen on Apple. I got an email saying that now we can make a channel. And on the channel can be the Sportscasters and the 24-inch podcast kind of separately in a way, Um, which is just going to be cool because then our logo can be on the episodes and stuff like that. I just got to figure out what I got to do and how to do it. But if you listen to the – you won't have to change anything in terms of subscribing or anything like that. But Does that mean you can see my handsome face on there? No, you're going to see the logo that Chris made for us. Oh, the logo. Okay. That's a handsome logo. (laughs) That is beautiful. Uh, At sports underscore casters, the sportscasters at gmail.com. A new episode of this podcast dropped just before this one did, and on it is Kenny Albert uh, from Alpine, New Jersey, uh, the son of Marv Albert, uh, a man who not only does hockey, he also does football and basketball and baseball. Unbelievable guy. Unbelievable episode with him and a guy named Evan Drellich who wrote a book about the Astros cheating. Um, Don't forget to check out. Oh, since we've been gone, a lot of stuff that I did mostly a few weeks ago, 
that started to pop up on YouTube. If you search North-South Connection Wrestling on YouTube, you'll find the North-South Connection page, and I'm littered all over it. I did a tier maker ranking of the top of WrestleMania 1 to 14. I did one video on the Intercontinental title matches, 1 to 14, and one on the tag title matches, 1 to 14, where I gave each match. I slotted either in the S tier, A tier, B tier, so on. You've seen those probably on the internet. I did two of those. Yeah, it took me forever forever a day to figure out what the fuck the S tier was, but I finally got it. Yeah, just like above A. Super, I guess, or whatever you want yeah. to yeah. Superb. Superb, yeah, whatever you want to say. Uh, then... Also, I did a draft WWF WrestleMania celebrities that I don't think is officially out yet, but it will be on that page. And I've also been doing some Seinfeld episode reviews uh, with Justin and Aaron. So if you want to check me out, I do it for promotion for this mostly. One other thing I did for promotion for this show and the sportscasters is I wrote a five-day blog on a website called liveonfourlegs.com, the number four, liveonfourlegs.com. It's a Pearl Jam fan page, and every day I wrote a blog about a concert I went to. Um, I did five of the 86 I've been to. I did one Monday, one Tuesday, one Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. I actually wrote them a long time ago, and he had them for this week to put up one Per day, which is a good thing, because I would have never had time to write them. Well, I thought I thought Four Legs was going to be a uh, podcast for National Dog Day. They started as dogs uh, initially, um, and then uh, the host dog had passed away. He lost his passion for dogs. He said, "What else could we do?" Oh, there's a Pearl Jam record called "Live on Two Legs." Let's just call it "Live on Four Legs." It's a pun, and boom. So that's yeah, good call. That's the origin of it. Uh, but gotcha. yeah, five episodes uh, or five concerts. One blog for each. I, I feel like I wrote them in like, I don't even know, um, early in the winter. And he does one person a week and finally got to me. So those are up if you want to check out those live on fourlegs.com. Click on blog and you'll see my name, Steve Bennett, and you can see those. If you're interested in my Pearl Jam travels. Um, all right. I think that's good for plugs. We gave North South Connection a plug, um, a bunch there. We'll give Keithy, we give Keithy and, uh, Peter, I'll plug earlier. Greetings from Allentown Live. All right. I think we're good. Oh, we got to plug ourselves. The 24-inch podcast. Working to find our shit. At 24-inch podcast on Twitter. At 24-inch podcast at gmail.com. Uh, 24 underscore inch underscore podcast on Instagram. Search 24-inch podcast on Facebook. We got to get better, Dave, here in 2023 of kind of working on our socials a little bit. Um, to get this yeah. thing, get this thing humming again, but uh, those are out there, and the Facebook group it's a nice place. It's not super active, but we put some nice memes up. We so about the mid show. mid active, I said. Yeah, we gotta. It could be better, but the people there are nice. So, yeah. so come join us. Yeah, yeah. All right. Uh, questions, Dave. You want to start? Let's start it off. Okay, we got the uh, well. First of all, Tim, for the second show in a row, our apologies. We took. We're sorry that Steve's dad was sick. And, you know, that's family first. And because we text a lot, your text question was once again deleted. And I, my sincere apologies to you. We will get it the next time. I'm going to start screenshotting the te- uh, the questions so that doesn't happen. You got enough but, mentions anyway, Tim. Yeah, you got enough mentions here. Yeah. Uh, so, Kevin from Nutley. Uh, guys, bro- buckle up because I've got a few things to say. Okay. All right. 
Number one, I think Robert Goulet would have been a better opponent for Mike Rotundo. Um, yeah, well, I mean, Goulet is, uh, you know, he was an older man, older gentleman at the times, uh, putting Rotundo over. I don't know if Robert Goulet would have been a better. Um, but he did a pretty good job against Leslie Nielsen, so maybe. Uh, okay, and he also did a good job at WrestleMania six. Oh, fantastic. Uh, number two question. What was the Barry Windham Mr. Fuji match? I get that you want to bring the crowd down a little bit before the main event, but 34 seconds. Just ran uh, out of just, time. Yeah, just, just ran, ran out of time, time like yep. we're saying. I mean, it was going to be a similar match, I'm sure, as Rotundo and Goulet, the old veteran putting over the new guys coming in, you know, but it was so short because it ran, it ran out of time. But sometimes those short matches get more of a crowd, a bigger crowd reaction. And anyway. we, we should so it's not clarify. a bad thing. How do you run out of time at a house show? Don't forget, this was airing live on MSG. So that yeah, and there's curfew too. Yep, yep. So uh, number three, the tag match annoyed me. I don't care how storied the careers of the participants were or how much action was in the match. I feel like a double countout is a cop out and cheats the fans. What are your thoughts? I disagree to the fullest on that. I, I um, there's too many decisive winners nowadays, and it, it makes everything fifty fifty booking. A lot of the times you ha- you have to have uh, nobody go over so the thing could keep rolling and, and people care. You know, I'm sure these teams had another match <laughs> somewhere down the line. So you you had to have you know some draws, some some decisive winners, some disqualifications, a mixture of everything instead of just one guy winning clean one week and one guy cleaning another winning clean another week. Kevin's thinking one more of the modern aspect of wrestling. I think on that question, Steve, what do you think? Yeah, I think what happened here is the Briscoes left, right? So I don't know that they paid it off maybe as well as they would have liked. But I think, you know, this is an era that was just a little different than the way things are done now. And they they wouldn't have as many clean finishes because they're trying to protect the feud itself because they wanted to bring it back the next month or whatever. And um, I don't know that that happened here. But I thought the match itself, like, I really enjoyed it. And um, the finish was okay for me. So I didn't – I wasn't as bad. Like, like I think what you were talking about earlier about how sometimes a move isn't perfect. Sometimes the match is short. Sometimes the match is long. It kind of just makes it realer for me in a way. Like, you know, right. yeah. some matches are going to go 25 minutes and end up in a brawl on the floor and a count out. Some matches are going to go 19 seconds because it's such a mismatch and Fuji's going to get his ass busted. You know, sometimes the sometimes Patrick Mahomes throws a 55-yard ball down the field and it doesn't quite hit the guy in stride. He's got to dive for it, right? But it still is a touch. The guy still rolls into the end zone for a touchdown. It's still an effective play. Um, and, right. I, and, and I think there's a lot of balance in these cards in terms of wins, losses, long, short. And I think I appreciate that about it. And uh, just just to add to that a little bit, like as a kid, you know, even from from six years old all the way up to 12, 13 years old, you know, like guys like when Morocco was a good guy, Kempatera was a good guy, even Snuka, like when they started losing clean, putting these guys over, like I like lost interest in them. Like, oh, he sucks now. Like, what what happened? Like, I used to to love this guy. And and now it never happened with Tito. He did that, too. But I I always stuck by him. But it, it was such a disappointment, these clean finishes. So I, I just like Hulk getting his clean finish. You know what I mean? Um, you know, or maybe, you know, so, something, you know, at a WrestleMania or, you know, something like that. But just, you know, Morocco 
going down clean to Dino Bravo at SummerSlam 88. You know, just something doesn't sit right with me with that. Stuff like that. You know what I mean? So I'm, I'm just the old school. I was just brought up in a, in, in a, in a different time. So uh, sorry, Kev. We, just, we love you, but I, we disagree with you there on that one. I think we have. I have one. You want to do one, or you want to go? Yeah, I can finish go. I, I, well, yeah, okay. finish it out. All right. Lucas Calhoun says, "I enjoyed the cast highlighting the genius. What a great and unique wrestler Lanny was. Really, extremely underrated and often overlooked. Uh, the goofs who say Hogan never helped anyone out. Do they think CM Punk would would put someone?" Of Lanny stature over like that, I was scrolling the internet and came across a picture of the Hulkster in the ring with the giant Gonzalez. How awesome do you guys think it would have been to see Hulk dispose of another stinky giant? The Meltzers of the world would have given it negative stars, but personally, <laughs> I think that has four stars written all over it, brother. Anyway, keep up the good work, and Hulkamania will never die. That's our friend Lucas Calhoun. Hey, Lucas. Would you have liked to seen Hulk and Giant Gonzalez? Would have loved it, and I was ready for it because when Hulk won that title at WrestleMania Nine from Yokozuna, that big, huge pop and everything, and I thought we we're on another big run. I had my cards written out. I thought he, I was ready for Hogan and the Narcissist Lex Luger. I was ready for Hogan and Giant Gonzalez. I was ready for more Yoko matches, and it all just went south. It did. It, it didn't happen. I, I thought, you know, here, here we go again. You know, we're we're, we're back with another run. Yeah, but uh, it never happened. Gonzalez was the perfect guy to feed Hulk, right? That's what yeah. they did for years in the company. They found the next big bad guy to feed the Hulk, and Giant Gonzalez would have been perfect for that. That'd have been a tough body slam. Yeah, if Hulk, Hulk was Hulk was leaned out then. And you know, sometimes they'll talk about like on Pritchard or other shows. They'll talk about Pritchard is good at, at this. I think talking about how styles can clash in the ring. You know, maybe Stone Cold Steve Austin and Undertaker at '98 wasn't the best match. I don't even mind that match as much as some people do, but. I know Austin hates it, and, and they talk about it just being a clash in styles. I think Hogan, with these big, huge monsters, it's the perfect, whatever you would say the opposite of that is, right? It's the perfect um, meeting of styles. Like, it's the perfect thing. When Hulk can play the underdog, and Hulk's a huge dude, right? But when you can put him in the ring with someone that Dave and I or the Hulksters around the world believe have a chance to hurt him and to stop Hulkamania, that's when it's at its best. So I think Gonzalez would have been great for that. Yeah, I mean... Despite it, the I weird bodysuit, right? And the fans were still normal back then. You, 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 when you were doing the Manhattan Center stuff, which I loved, there were some... You know, you could hear the sparks in there sometimes. But uh, the fans were normal back then. You know, they were even, they got behind Luger with the Lex Express and all. That was crazy, Not not letting him at least have the belt for a month and you could just switch it back to Yoko if it wasn't working after putting all that money into it. I thought that was crazy. And, uh, but yeah, uh, that era, I was, I was still very invested in, in, in the WWF. And I thought here comes, here comes another big run, line them up for Hulk. But, uh, I guess that was just the nostalgia in uh, 12 year old me or whatever, however old I was. And, uh, thank never, you, never came to be. Yeah. Thank, thank you, Lucas. Lucas. Good yeah. question. All right. What else you got? Okay, Jamie from Queens. How you doing, Jamie? Oh, Jamie. She asked me about Pearl Jam last time, so I love Jamie. She did. She yeah. did. Uh, Jamie says, I feel the smarks of the smarks of today would love the Cobra Black Tiger match, but I just couldn't get into it. I just didn't care. I feel this would have been a go get a beer match. Am I wrong? I think you're right. <laughs> you know what I think it well, is? You know what I think this match is? 
it's dynamite versus tiger mask but with generic people right you know what i mean it's like they tried to have that match but they picked some random dude from england to be dynamite instead of dynamite and they picked some guy from japan that wasn't tiger mask to kind of look like tiger mask and what you got was shit right you know it's like you never seen Spaceballs, I know, which is so weird because you don't have to. Like, no, Star- never saw Spaceballs. You don't need yeah. to like Star Wars. Yeah, but- I don't kind of want to. Yeah, that's why I, I John Candy, my my favorite actor of all time. So maybe I and will he's give and he's chance. amazing in it, hilarious. But anything it. anything to do with space, I'm I'm checked out of. I'm not Star Wars, Star Trek. No, thank you. I hate all of that. Yeah. I hate all yeah. of that. And Star Trek is amazing. Or and Spaceballs is amazing. Spaceballs, Spaceballs. But amazing. there's this great scene in it where. They accidentally show the body doubles of John Candy and uh, uh, Bill Pullman or whatever that guy's name is, the the guy who plays the fake Luke Skywalker in it. And, right. uh, you know, they're like, they're jabronis. Like, they're weird-looking. It's a weird-looking John Candy. He's dumpy. I know, and, what, I know what he looks like in it. I know, yeah. Yeah. He looks almost like an adult. He's like in a cat suit or something. Yeah. It almost looks like the, he, he's a mug. Looks like the thing that was, that, was, that was blowing the guy into Shining. He's a mug. Half man, like half that. dog. Yeah. Yeah, he's a mug. Yeah. His tail is you, ever see the shi- you ever see The Shining? Of course. The guy, the guy when Wendy runs up the stairs at the end, and the guy's blowing the sure. guy in the bed, and he's in that costume. That's what John Candy looks like. Except for John Candy's a mog, half man, half dog. Okay. Anyway, these guys are two copies. They're fake, and that's why the match sucks. I think. I don't know, maybe Dave, you have a different answer. Yeah, I don't know. I just, you know, it is what it is. It's to me, it's the match at the beginning of the Coliseum video. You know. You know, the people came to the Garden for the main event and, like, one or two other matches through all, our whole run. You know what I mean? That's what it was for. All the other stuff was just filler on the card. And, you know, that's what it is. It was a little international stuff. Whatever. It's fine. But, uh, yeah, I probably would have gone to get popcorn during it as well. No Pearl Jam questions this week? No Pearl Jam questions, unfortunately, this week. Uh, well, we hopefully to- Jamie from yeah. Queens, after he's done, or she, I have to hear she. She. Okay, she. Jamie, after you're done putting your crying yourself to sleep about the Edwin Diaz injury in the World Baseball Classic, your Mets are going to be shorthanded. They're going to lose to my Braves again this year. But once you're done crying about that, read my blogs about Pearl Jam and live on com, and then write us another Pearl Jam question for next time because I like answering Pearl Jam questions. So I noticed. Yeah. So Good to job, about too. That. Yes. All right. Is that it? Next time. That's next it. Next time here. What are we doing next time? And we're going to come back quicker. We're not going to take a break, I don't think, if we're we can. Come back, God willing. Yeah. Not God willing. We're gonna, never know. We're not, life happens. What we're going to try not to do is just take a week off where we don't even think about doing the show. We're going to yeah. try to just do the show next week someday. So we'll see. But uh, uh, Well, coming off the heels of today, so what are we doing? Uh, we're going we're gonna to go right, right back into the same building, Madison yep. Square Garden, New York City, Gotham, as you might want to call it. Uh, WrestleMania one, WrestleMania the one that started one. it all. Vince put it all on the line. March thirty first, nineteen eighty five. Closed circuit all over the country. Uh, what can you say? The Mister T Hulk build up training all over New York City. Saturday all Night the Live. we'll be covering the Saturday Night Live, the Richard Belzers, everything, everything that led up, all the news. Uh, this is gonna this is gonna be a very good show. I mean, not the greatest WrestleMania of all time, but very uh, watchable. The main, very very watch- the main event is. Phenomenal, and the tag but, match uh, is phenomenal. The tag yeah, title match, I there's love. some good stuff. This is before they got their like lighting. It and moves, stuff, so it it moves looks, really fast, though. It's real easy to watch. Yeah. It's not. Long. It looks like a regular house show. Yeah, it does. 
But um, this is Jesse's debut at a big. Uh, and he's he was nervous. Already do- yeah, he's very he was already nervous. doing. He was already doing some TV stuff on All Star Wrestling, but this is his big debut as a commentator. So yeah, it does seem a little nervous. Gino, Gino Monsoon. Yeah, I was gonna say he says Gino about ninety-seven times in the pay-per-view. Yeah, but, yeah I can't wait to but, do it. Can't wait. So yeah, this is a biggie. All right. Well, between now and then, I ask you please to just do one other thing. Say your prayers, eat your vitamins, and tell your friends about the 24-inch podcast. Brother. Brother.